and welcome to the Dorky Diva Show. I'm your host, Savannah. And I am your host, Brian. And today we are so excited because we're introducing a new series for the summer called Prequel Defense Force. So oh, yes. if you guys aren't following us on social media, which you should be, you've probably missed the news. Um, we're starting this new series of shows over the summer called Prequel Defense Force because Brian and I are always so pumped about the prequels and we are you know, a little tired of the hate. So we want to put our voices out there and share how much we love the prequels. So we'll have three episodes. Today we're going to talk about The Phantom Menace. Next time we'll talk about Attack of the Clones. And then finally we'll end with Revenge of the Sith. Um, And we will still be doing our regular shows in between these. So these are like bonus shows, guys. These are extra shows. So this time around we're not going to be discussing like any books. Um, We're not going to be you know, catching up with each other. Like, we'll do all of that in our normal show in a couple weeks. So, um, yeah, we're, like, super excited. But before we get started, um, I just want to say we will be talking about the Phantom Menace movie, obviously, but there's a really good documentary on YouTube on the official Star Wars channel called The Beginning Making of Episode 1, the Star or Star Wars The Phantom Menace, and it's so good. It's It's a behind-the-scenes documentary. It's like an hour long. And it really helped me appreciate all the work that went into this movie. So Mm -hmm. I watch it all the time. Like, I love documentaries. And it's – I think this one is probably the best Star Wars one there is. Like, there's there's also – the Within a Minute one for Episode 3 is also really good. But this one's probably my favorite. So – um. I'm going to put a link to this in our show description, so if you guys want to watch it, um, you might be able to follow along on that behind-the-scenes discussion we'll be having along the way. But if not, you'll just get, like, bonus tidbits about the movie you didn't know. So, yeah. So excited! So excited. Okay. I'm pumped. So, before we, uh, like, really dive into the movie, I want to talk about, generally, like, what this movie meant to us when we were kids. So, Brian, how old were you when The Phantom Menace came out? I was eight. Okay, so did you go to the theater and see The Phantom Menace? Yes, I did. And do you remember seeing it? Yes, I do. Oh, wow. Okay, so Mm -hmm. before we continue with that, I was only three, so (laughs) I know for a fact I probably didn't see this movie in the theaters. And I don't remember seeing it for the first time. I just remember always having this movie around. And we had a Jar Jar poster on our bedroom door. So, like, yeah. So I don't have one of those moments where I remember seeing it and and all that. But so for you as a kid, Brian, what, what did you think of this movie? Like, what did you think when you first saw it? Well, I will tell you this. And this will uh, make a lot of sense after I say it. But... Episode one was the first movie I saw in my life where there was a character that I really cared about that died. Aww. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it in the last 20 years. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it it made a huge impact on me because before, obviously, I'd seen movies where people had died and whatnot because it's movies. But there was never one where I was like, wow, I really am just enthralled with this character. And everything they said, I was like soaking up. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I remember the moment he was killed and like had this like like bucket of cold water thrown on me, just like, (gasps) like freaked out. And then, and uh, you know, this character's name was Qui-Gon Jinn. So (laughs) 
<laughs> it wasn't Darth Maul? What? <laughs> it was It was Darth Maul. Yeah. I was like, wow. And then Clone Wars came back and I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, he's fine. Spider legs. I get yeah. it. No. So that uh, that was a huge thing for me because it was the first time I I experienced something like that. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Jar Jar was hilarious. But we'll, we'll get into the deets later. Yeah. But I will say that I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and then... I kind of forgot about it, as you do as kids, yeah. from the time you see it in the movie theater to when it gets home. And then my younger brother and his friends were like, oh, we're watching Star Wars. I was like, Star Wars? Yeah, okay, whatever, blah, blah. And then, I re- and then we rewatched it at home, and I was like, oh, man. It's those movies, the old ones that I like, and now this is, oh, it's great. Yeah. And, and I, I was in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember uh, seeing it for the first time. I just remember having it on VHS and watching it, like, all the time at home because we always mm-hmm. had Star Wars movies on. Um, and we had the toys and stuff. So I remember having like toys from The Phantom Menace. I remember specifically having, uh, well, it was probably my brother's, but I just like played with all his stuff. Mm-hmm. He had um, the Naboo Starfighter toy. I can't remember oh, if it was a Lego set or if it was a regular, you know, like action figure ship, but he had one of the Naboo Starfighters. And I just, I really remember that. Beautiful. And then I remember growing up and the Lego Star Wars games came out and, you know, you could play oh, yes. the Phantom Menace epi- or, um, levels. And I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And I think actually the Lego Star Wars game is what helped me um, understand the sequence of Star Wars more. And I know really? that sounds really dumb, but when I was younger... We watched the movie so much and out of order so many times that I really didn't fully understand like what was going on. I just I just enjoyed the characters and I enjoyed the action and I enjoyed you know l- the little moments, but I didn't really get like how it all fit together seamlessly. Right. And you know, when I was really little, but um when Lego Star Wars came out and then like once Revenge of the Sith was out, that made things make more sense. But I just really remember playing Lego Star Wars and understanding like the sequence of The Phantom Menace. So Sure. That's kind of Did you cool. 100% it? Cuz I did. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah, get yeah. that get the New Hope intro level. Oh my gosh, I was yeah. so addicted to those lego games that i had like no life i would because i i played battlefront at the time too and i would play the revenge of the sith uh video game but the lego star wars games were like my thing because oh yeah because i was i was like the age that they were made for whereas battlefront i think you know kids could play battlefront but i feel like my older brother was a lot better at battlefront than i was and i would get frustrated and just be like all right i'm gonna play by myself (laughs) you know whereas like i could play by myself in the lego games and I was great at it. So anyways, but I want to briefly mention too, we're going to talk about this a lot more later on, but I want to talk about what the Phantom Menace means to us now as compared to what it meant to us as a kid. Because when I was a kid, I had no clue what was going on with all the political stuff in this movie. Like I just knew Jar Jar was hilarious. Qui-Gon was a good guy. Darth Maul was a bad guy. You know, that kind of stuff. And it, I don't think it was until probably when the Clone Wars came out, I started rewatching the movies and mm-hmm. really understanding like what was going on because when I was younger, it was just like, oh, you know, they're fighting and I didn't know what the root of all of it was, you know? So um, I think it's really fun to go back and watch 
the Phantom Menace and enjoy it for the reasons I enjoyed it as a child and then also to enjoy it for the complexity of the story and be like, oh, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like, Oh, yeah. It's deep. Yeah. So, like, what does it mean to you now, Brian? Uh, that is, that's probably the most difficult question you've ever asked me. Um, how do I, how do you answer that one? It means everything, you yeah. know, it's the, it's the beginning. Yeah. You know, I was so impacted by it as a kid, you know, like anyone who's talked to me for more than 30 seconds knows Qui-Gon's my dude. Yeah. And like. <laughs> 15 seconds. Like, it's only, it yeah. only takes 15 seconds. Really. Yeah. That's 30. That's if I'm eating. Yeah. You know, and I don't have time. Like I am not exaggerating when I say I have one, two, three, four, well over 10 Qui-Gon figures or statues within arm's reach of me right now. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was a character that really impacted my life so much so that. When I watched it, I was soaking up everything that he was saying, and it all made sense to me. You know, it wasn't just a movie. I was, like, legitimately learning about things and stuff that I still think about today. Uh, So just the fact that a character like that can uh, impact me as a man now uh, is, you know, it's such a big thing to where it's so so much more than movies. And then it's not just him. It's the entire movie and how deep it is and how complex and, and everything that's going on. And the fact that it all, it all made sense to me, yeah. you know, cause I, I like, I was, I'm pretty into politics. I'm not gonna lie and have been since about eight or nine years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know why it just made sense to me. And I was like, Oh, okay. We've got geopolitics. We got this and what's going on. So when I was talking about the taxation of trade routes, I was like, Oh, <laughs> wow, this is crazy. They can't get food. They li- and they're asking them to legally allow them to invade. This is crazy. And yeah. like, even as a kid, uh, it was really, really interesting. And uh, I'm sure we'll dive in. But yeah, yeah I hope that answered it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. It, it's just, I like talking about that because I think um, a lot of people that are more so probably in like my parents' generation uh, that mm-hmm. don't like the prequels. I'm not saying my parents don't like the prequels. I'm just saying people of that age typically don't like the prequels because they grew up with the original trilogy. They had all these amazing expectations for the Phantom Menace. And then if it didn't meet those expectations, they didn't like it. Sure. But and then when I talk to people like that, they're like, oh, well, you only liked the movie because you were a kid and it was made for kids. And I'm just like, well, true, so but <laughs> like this movie still means something to me. And to be honest, I think it's still in the top like half of the Star Wars movies for me. Oh, yeah. It's, I know it, people yeah, rank this one usually so pretty low. And for me, it's probably on the, the top half of the scale. Dude, it's in my top three. I love uh, I episode love one. This. It, and the other thing is like, Prequels. like you said it. You said it perfectly. It's like a majority of people who I've talked to who dislike the Phantom Menace. Ninety nine percent of those people, it's because of preconceived notions walking into it. Yeah. And this is so different from the originals because it's a different time. That's a republic, not an empire. Right. You know, the Jedi are at the height. Everything's sleek and new because everything was sleek and new. There was money. The galaxy was fine. There was no war. Yeah. You know, the 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 original trilogy, everything's lived in and dirty and stuff because they've been through a galactic war. And they're struggling. Yeah. like Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do under, like, the oppressive rule of the emperor. Right. You know, it's like, it all, it makes sense to be like, oh, it's so different from what I did. Of course it is. Right. Go back to, like, 1940. It's so different now. Yeah. You know, it's so weird to expect them to be the same and to feel the same. Well, it's but inter- that's just me. It's, it's interesting, too, because uh, some of the arguments that I hear is that People say, oh, well, the the graphics just didn't hold up. Like, the CGI is just garbage. And oh, I, we kind of came up, I think, with this idea because 
I went back and watched all of the prequels like maybe a month and a half ago with my fiance and um, typically if I want to watch Star Wars I'll pick up Empire Strikes Back or A New Hope and or Rogue One even and sometimes I kind of forget to watch the prequels so anyways it's been a little mm-hmm. while since I watched them and we were sitting there and I was I looked at him and I was like these movies really do hold up really well like 100% really well for this movie being almost what or it is 20 years old next yeah, year almost 20 yeah. years old mm-hmm. still looks amazing like it the does cgi still looks amazing because i've seen other movies you know that have uh cgi in them that were made after that and i was just like oh god these look so bad like they just don't age well and this one ages well so Absolutely. I wanted to say that because if if that's your argument, I just think you're wrong. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just find a, wrong. I agree. Find a better argument because yeah. that's the other thing about episode one is like George Lucas was always an innovator. He was on the mm-hmm. front of everything. Like he was one of the first people to shoot a movie digitally. Like yeah. this is crazy, crazy stuff. And he adopted technology early. You know, the whole reason we have Gollum, the whole reason we have the Navi and Avatar is because of Jar Jar. Because Jar Jar was first. Okay, so let's talk about this because this relates to the documentary. Let's and dive I'm in. Like, I'm so excited about this. Um, so in the documentary, there's a scene where George is talking about the budget with the producer and with um, John Nall from ILM. And mm-hmm. John is basically just saying, George, I don't know how we're going to do this in your budget. And George is like, well, we're just going to have to create the technology. And I was just like, right? what? And then he goes... Because we're not just going to have to do this for this movie. We're going to have to do this for the next one and the next one and all the other movies that other people are making out there. He's like, we have to make this technology. And I was just like, that is crazy to, to, right? for like John to work for someone like that and to someone, to have someone say that to you and then you're just like, oh, okay. Oh, like, God. Guess right. we'll figure it out. Guess yeah. I got to make this, <laughs> you know? Such a visionary. But I love that. And that's why George Lucas is so great because he pushes people past their limits. Like, Agreed. Absolutely. That is nuts that he would ask that of someone and then they just accomplish it. Like, Exactly. They do it. That's the thing. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong. Everything that I've seen, I don't know if I would have liked to work right under George Lucas because he would ask you. I would have been so (laughs) mad at him. I would have been like, dude, chill. Like, like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to need you to fly out this window. George, I can't fly. Ah, you'll figure it out. And then just walks out. Like yeah. talking about how uh, Darth Maul came back in the Clone Wars. He just told Dave Filoni, hey, Darth Maul's alive. Figure it out. Yeah. What? Exactly. <laughs> he just, he totally believed in his team. But he he would ask people... the impossible of them knowing that they could do it. Exactly. You know? He asked the impossible of people and they, they do it. And like, how amazing must that feel to do the impossible and be like, wow. Right. This dude he literally changed the world. insane thing and I did it. Like that's, that's so cool. Dude, I'm like, George Lucas is arguably the greatest artist of the last forever because he was one of those people that like and that's another thing that i really respect about his uh with the prequel specifically right so he was never for he never made art for people yeah ever he told his story the way that he wanted to tell it and if you didn't like it he didn't care. Tough. Like, like that yeah, is he doesn't the, he doesn't care that, at all. Yeah, that is the that. ballsiest artist move. He's like, you don't like the movie? That's fine. I'm gonna make two more. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm not making them for you. He's still making movies now that nobody's going to see because he makes art for himself. And like, that is the craziest thing in a commercial market to think about with the biggest franchise of all time that came out of one man's head. You know? Well, and and to be honest, God. that's the difference between him 
owning and taking over Star Wars and Disney owning and taking over Star Wars because Disney is appealing to the masses and George Lucas didn't care. Like he didn't care who he was appealing to and that's okay because that was his artwork. Yes, that is a true artist to where you make your art regardless of its reception. Right. And then the fact that episode one was uh, like one of the most controversial movies ever. And he did not care. He's like, you know what? You don't like Jar Jar? I'm making him a senator. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, and I, we're going to put him so, in the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's so badass. And well, uh, and he recently oh, said it. that his uh, idea for the sequel trilogy would have a lot to do with midichlorians. And he goes, yeah, I, I don't remember his exact quote, so this is not exactly mm-hmm. his words. But he basically said that he knew people wouldn't like it and he didn't care like exactly he was just like yeah they would hate it but whatevs i love that especially now the way the world is now where it's all commercial you know what i mean the idea is to appeal to the most people to be the the easiest yes to make money to be the most digestible for the largest crowd and george is like nah i'm gonna do what i do god so cool it's so punk rock you know yeah it's amazing so into it but yeah he just he pushed the envelope in every regard technology they were adapting technology that had not yet existed and then used it it for the (laughs) biggest budget movie of all time it's not like he made a little short film like oh let's test this effect see if it works yeah he's like no on the biggest stage possible let's figure it out yeah it's so cool yeah that's great i want to quickly mention some of the movies that came out in 1999 just so people have a visual of like kind of what The Phantom Menace was running against and, you know, movies with uh, other technology, which none of these movies had anything on what George was mm-hmm. doing. So the same year, The Matrix came out, The Fight or Fight Club came out, um, The Green Both Mile, great. The Mummy, great. Toy Story 2, Office Space, The Iron all Giant, good. which is one of my Ooh. favorite movies. Cry. She's All That. So obviously, oh, Tarzan came out. So obviously, these are just like really pretty basic movies um the matrix was obviously like the number one movie yeah matrix was pretty ahead of its time and then it was fight club and then i believe phantom menace but out of all of those movies that i just mentioned phantom menace really carved a huge like path for oh for sure movies fight club and, and the matrix didn't do that so yeah Dude, it's so good. Yeah, so that's so good. Just some movies that came out the same year. Um, mm-hmm. All right, and now we're like getting into it. We're going to get into it. the movie. And we're diving in? We're diving in. We're making the calculations? We're making the calculations. Yeah. So light speed. Um, I'm doing my little so like spoke. Lando L3 finger point at you right Me too. Now. We're okay, going cool. in. All right. One, two, three. Do it. Okay. Mm. You guys can't see that, but you can picture it. <laughs> yeah, um, it happened. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna recite the opening crawl because I think if you haven't watched this movie in a while, you might have forgotten what was uh, starting it. And mm-hmm. I'm a little congested, so please forgive me if I sound gross while I'm reading this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy, to settle the conflict. That's good, right? A little background music. Did you hear it? Amazing. I heard your background music. 
Yes. It's really subtle. Teamwork makes the dream work. Really subtle. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on. And then the movie opens up with Captain. Other. Tell them we wish to board immediately. Yes. That's right. the first line, by the way. Oh, okay. I haven't memorized. Brian has uh, a lot more knowledge of this movie than I do. Let's just because <laughs> this is probably well. You said this is one of your favorite ones, so yeah, yeah, dude. I have I have all of it memorized. <laughs> Captain, tell them we wish to board immediately. With all due respect, the ambassadors for the Supreme Chancellor wish to board immediately. Yes, as you know, our blockade is perfectly legal. All right, and that's going to be the next hour and a half of this show. I hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is the moment when all the letters come in and be like, so you were joking about the new co-host thing, but how do we make that real? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So basically the movie opens with Qui-Gon and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. And this As is, you know, if you grew up with the original trilogy and then this is the next Star Wars movie you're seeing, this is the first time you're seeing Obi-Wan um, other than Alec Guinness. So this is a new Obi-Wan. He's young. And mm-hmm. then you've got this you know, random Jedi, Qui-Gon Jinn, um, who turns out to be kind of just doing his own thing. Oh. But he's also (laughs) the greatest Jedi of all time. (laughs) 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 I love that. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So how do you feel about the opening of of this movie? I love it because it's in the middle. I've always been a big fan of movies that, like, just throw you in. Yeah. Like, oh, they're, they're in the middle of something. And you got to, like, kind of pick up the pieces as you go along. Like, you know, movies that you just hear music and then you're like, what is that? You hear footsteps. And then somebody runs past the camera and you're like, oh, snap, we're running. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then you find out they're being chased and the story kind of unfolds from there. Yeah. I um, so this movie, the same thing. You're like, oh, they're on their way to do something. What's going on? And it goes south, like, within three minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like dioxys gas. Oh, God. They're being poisoned right away. All and right. you're just like, why? What's going on? That's right. And then I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And then right off the bat, like Qui-Gon's spitting some wisdom, man. I know. You know don't, don't concentrate on your anxiety, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. Oh, snap. I still struggle with that today. It's so great. I was, okay, so a little side note here for those of you listening. We, um, I have a list of show notes in front of me right now where I made bullet points of the sequence of the movie because I'm very forgetful. And True. I was going to make a list with uh, some of the best quotes in this movie. But I decided not to because I knew that Brian would just have them ready to go. And I didn't even tell him that. She didn't. I was like, show notes? What are these show notes you speak of? I didn't even tell him that I was going to make a list of quotes and I knew I didn't need to because he had it covered in his brain. I'm here to help. Um, But yeah, you're right. So Qui-Gon is like, you can tell from the very beginning that he's super wise. And you can also tell that Obi-Wan respects him but he also you don't tell you don't see this from the very beginning but along the way you find out that obi-wan is just like he knows his master is a little cray cray but he respects him and he's okay with it and he will voice his opinions too and then he's like sorry man i didn't mean to like offend you and i love it so um this is also when we get to see some of the new battle droids so yeah obviously In the original trilogy, we have stormtroopers and, you know, mm-hmm. all that. But now we have battle droids. And I love these guys because I pretty much 
came into Star Wars because of the Clone Wars. Like, that's when I really claimed my fandom. And mm-hmm. they're super goofy in the Clone Wars. And they're they still are. a little goofy in the prequels, but not as goofy. But I just I just really like their design. I think they look really sleek. Um, and it's interesting that they were created for an army when they're such, like, thin, small, really... Skeletons. Um, they, they're not intimidating, really. These, these things aren't intimidating no. at all, yet they're a problem (laughs) and numbers it's all about numbers yeah it's all about numbers um so i think it's neat and i one of the funny things is is in the behind the scenes documentary george lucas is basically showing steven spielberg some of the oh yeah the one in the the parking lot props and stuff (laughs) that are done and yeah there was a there was a battle droid in the parking lot and it's like the sun is going down so it's like kind of dark but he's showing steven the droid and he's like yeah these are the new stormtroopers and steven goes oh oh okay and one of the arms was off of the droid and it was laying on the floor yeah. <laughs> and steven was going to try to put it on the droid and he put it on upside down and, and then george just kind of took it from him and was like no it goes this way and i don't know it just made me really laugh and they both just said probably three or four times this is great yeah this is great this is great yeah this they is great right. and i was like it's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we get it i don't know you're like it's right it is great yeah yeah, yeah great yeah i just really like agree um <laughs> so cool yeah. just... battle droids are awesome actually i i like i like their design and the idea that like they're and we'll get to it later as well but the uh they're not the smartest mm-hmm. but i like that their programming is like i don't really want to do it yeah you know, it's like Ch- check it out we'll cover you all right yeah i'll check it out oh god blast him you know yeah and uh yeah it was cool and That's then cool. we uh, we get to meet um, Gunray, Newt Gunray. Ah, uh, yes. I think he's one of the most interesting looking aliens in the. Prequels. I like him. I love his design, and that was another big, basically like a technological feat for them because there were animatronics under the mask, and mm-hmm. they had to move. The Silas Carson. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. him. I mm-hmm. love him. He's no, wait, wait, wait. No, that's not him in this one. Hang New on. Gunray was Silas Carson. Was he not in the first? It wasn't two and three. Uh, I don't think it's him in the first one. <gasps> honestly, I stand. Corrected. I could be wrong, so let me look because. Oh no, it is him. You're right. Ah, okay, sorry. Victory. I ah, I thought it was someone victory. else in this movie. Um. Anyways, yes, it is Silas Carson. He's the best. Oh no 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 no! Wait wait wait! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm on IMDb right now. All right, here we go. Here we go. Fact checking. He... Oh no, he is Newt Gunray. Okay, ah, you're right. Yes. I'm so sorry. And he's also <laughs> we're Keanu sorry, Mundy. Silas. He's also yes, Keanu he is. Mundy. So, um, and by the way, he's like the most lovely person in the world. I tried, guys. He's I tried. Sweet. Oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> One day, it's not over. Okay. What do you think of Rune Haku? His like right hand man with a little vocoder mouth. <laughs> I think he's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> They've got up the ventilation shaft. <laughs> I know he's so funny. <laughs> I just love them as a pair because they're like humorous without trying to be overly funny, and that's one of the things I like about this movie so much is that there are characters that are obviously made to be funny, like Hello Jar Jar, um, and even Anakin is a little goofy at some points because he's so young. But mm-hmm. then there are characters that are supposed to be super serious, and there's something about them that just make me laugh. And Newt Gunray is one of those. And yeah, he's just just a coward. They yeah. are still coming through. Yeah, it's the way they talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> so good. And I think that's the thing about this movie that doesn't bother me. The humor doesn't bother me at all because 
when the movie opens, you meet Jar Jar as, you know, a goofball. Mm -hmm. And you expect that after that. And then with other characters in some of the Star Wars movies, it's like they're super serious. And then all of a sudden they're funny and you're just like, wait a second, what's happening? Um, Right. So anyways, so moving on. They're total, they're total pawns, which is pretty great. And you see that through the whole movie. Yeah. You know, Palpatine's just using them. What do you think of Droidicas? Oh, I love them. I love, 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 love. It's like, it's like the only thing you can do is just run. Yeah. Well, they're so cool because they're they're just They're really cool. It's hard to describe. It's they're so functional because hello, they roll and then they just end up exactly where they need to be and they're so fast and they're also really intimidating. Like those mm-hmm. are big droids and they're very intimidating. Um, yeah, super intimidating. And we get to see Force Run for the first time on screen. Yes. Yeah, they just dash so off. Cool. Yeah. And Another, so I'm literally going to be talking about behind the scenes like this entire way. So I'm sorry if you're not into the behind the scenes stuff, but. Don't apologize. I'll be talking about Qui-Gon a lot. Okay. So So (laughs) in the beginning of the the documentary, they show these art boards of, they're storyboards basically of the movie. And George Mm -hmm. Lucas goes through with a pink highlighter and a yellow highlighter. And he marks things that will be real, like real props or real, you know, actors or real sets. He marks them with one color and then he marks the CGI things with another color. And I'm going to say the real stuff was way more frequent than the CGI stuff. And I think that's amazing. Like agreed. uh, And they really did do most of it real. Um, Oh yeah. Well, there's more models in episode one than the entire original trilogy combined. So when people are going to say, oh, it's too CGI, like, you just have a garbage argument. That's right. Take a seat. (laughs) Take a seat. (laughs) Um, But we also get to see Queen Amidala, and her first appearance is in a transmission, and she's basically on this giant TV screen, and Mm -hmm. she's in her, like, beautiful red gown, and she's got her white face, but you really don't realize who she is at first. Like, you don't watch this movie and go, oh, you know, that's Luke and Leia's mom. Sure. Like, you really don't know. Um, sure. Which I think is really interesting because you're probably just like, ooh, she's a queen. Who's this queen? Um, meanwhile, right? I was a kid and I was like, uh-huh, I know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Queen Amidala herself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Great, 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 great. And then we get Qui-Gon doing one of the coolest things ever, using the lightsaber to, like, melt through the door. Yep. So what cool. is What is... <laughs> What does Newt Gunray say when he's doing that? Doesn't he say something really funny like... Oh, he does. Close the blast doors. And then he waits a second. He goes, they are still coming through. That's, that's it. They're still coming yeah. through. And they look super <laughs> scared. They're like, oh, no. And then monster destroyers. And then the droid decals show up. Yeah. I mean, not that I have this movie memorized or anything. Yeah, I'm over here with my little bullet points and you're over here like <laughs> reciting the whole thing. Yeah, I'm just looking around my room like, oh, yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> you're like, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. That's right. I really have. So I'm so sorry to anyone who's listening. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah. um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon escape. And they, do. they end up uh, running away and running into Jar Jar. And yes. they save Jar Jar. Qui-Gon they do. saves Jar Jar. Yes, he does. he's just such a great man. Because he's a damn hero. He's a hero. And yeah. I know some people would be like, oh my god, he should have let Jar Jar die. Well... You Those wrong. people are hateful. We <laughs> love Jar Jar in this house. Um, That's right. In the house of friends. the Dorky Diva show, we love Jar Jar. That's right. That's right. He's our friend. He's our friend. He's our best yeah. friend. Yes. Um, we, have state, we have pictures with him. What did you, I mean, I, I think I already asked it, but like, 
did you know when you were little that people hated Jar Jar? Like, did you realize? No, I, I did not. Either. I didn't either. I had no idea. I was like, this guy's great. I, I loved him. him. He ma- made me laugh a lot. I was a big fan of dinosaurs growing up, and he's a straight-up dinosaur. Yeah. So, and then Boss Nass was awesome, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But I like Jar Jar. I like the way he. I like the way he talked. I like the way he walked. Like, I think Ahmed Best is a genius. He had a great uh, gait. Like, he had a very good walk, and, and yeah. just his body language was so cool because you didn't see it as a human in a suit or a human doing a performance. No, you just saw not it as at a any straight point. up alien. Hundred percent. And yeah, I wanted to mention this too. So obviously when you watch The Phantom Menace, you can tell that Jar Jar is fully CGI. But mm-hmm. I, ne- I never knew this actually until I saw this documentary. In the documentary, they had Ahmed Best in a Jar Jar suit. They oh, made yeah. a suit that cost, I think it was $100,000. Yep. The suit was $100,000 and... Uh, they they had him in the suit and they did all these screen tests to see his uh, you know body language and stuff and I believe they started shooting the movie and then uh, John Nall's team started to actually work on some of the footage and he noted that the fully CGI character that they created looked better than doing a little bit of CGI over Ahmed Best in the costume. And George Mm -hmm. was like, oh, so we didn't have to spend that $100,000. And then John was like, (laughs) well, comparing it really helped us nail, like, the fluid motions of the body and and all of his um, different gestures and stuff. They could just make it even better with the CGI because they could really push that, like, animated, like, arm movement or whatever or his head tilt or something Exactly. There was a performance behind it as opposed to just an animation. Exactly. So So I think it's interesting that they spent so much money on that suit. And, you know, you could think of it as like, oh, that was a total waste of money. And then in the end, even though they did it full, fully CGI, it did still help them because they had something to work off of. He was on set the entire time. Like when when Qui-Gon rescues Jar Jar, Ahmed Best jumps on Liam Neeson. Yeah. Like, that's a real thing that happened. Ahmed, there's so many behind-the-scenes pictures of Ahmed with his... It's basically Jar Jar's face sitting on top of his head. Yeah, it's like and a then hat, from like and the he has like a little yeah. like sunglass visor thing. That's right. And then from the neck down, he's full-on Jar Jar, like yeah. latex suit with the feet and everything. And just the... God, it's the nuts. little nuances of his character. Yeah, the way that he walks, kind of with his head first, you know? And, and his arms kind of dangling. Hot. Like it's Yeah, thick. oh yeah. <laughs> In the desert. In and Tunisia, they, wearing that. <laughs> I noted when I was watching the documentary that it was 135 degrees in Tunisia, and he was wearing that. Crazy. And Jar Jar's like in all of those scenes. <laughs> he is. He is. I He's love everywhere. the part when uh when it's him and Natalie Portman, and it's like in the morning, they're like, it's going to be hot today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he goes, he goes, it's going to be hot. And he told her basically how hot it would be, and Natalie just made this like disgusted face. Yeah, and then like, it shows ah. them, like, then it cuts to like 1 p.m., because that was in the morning before the sun was even up. And it cuts to them at like 1 p.m., and Ahmed goes, I'm so hot. My mother's in New York, and she could feel it. Yeah. And then he was talking to George, and he goes, George is like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm hot. But I'm cool, you know? And George yeah. goes, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just oh, I love Ahmed it. Best is I the Ahmed it. best. 
<laughs> so yeah, we meet yeah. uh we meet Jar Jar, and then we also get to see Otagunga, which is his home yeah. world, and it's underwater, which I think is so freaking cool because Agreed. they totally could have made this group of characters, the Gungans live in the forest in like huts or something you know kind of similar to like ewoks or whatever and that would have been so much easier to do but they made this amazing underwater world that's like the most beautiful thing ever and it just it's so cool and then they like they're swimming in and then they like push their little bodies through these walls and boom they're in dry buildings basically so cool and then the best gungan ever captain tarples yes God, I love Captain Tarples. I, I really, too. really do. No, again, Jaja. You sat in big doo doo this time. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm yeah. so into it. And then Boss Nass. Mm-hmm. Oh, also I great. want you to do his voice. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to do his little... No. <laughs> oh, that's good. That was really good. I provide a service here at the Dorky Diva. I was just trying to do that, and I definitely did not do that, so... My headphones came off, but it was worth it. Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah, Brian Blessed... Is uh is him and uh, Hal Hickel actually worked on Boss Nass. Oh, I remember that from your show. Fun fact. And if you don't know who Hal Hickel is, he basically uh, he did all the animation for K two S O, right? Yeah, he uh, designed K two, like K two is his baby, and oh. then he also worked on Watto and Boss Nass. Oh wow! Um, and has an incredible story uh, that you should definitely listen to on the interesting podcast with Hal Hickel. Oh, he's wow. an ILM animation director, and he's fantastic. But yeah, so he worked on Boss Nass. And uh, Boss Nass was another one who actually was 100% CG. At no point was Brian Blessed on set. That's but amazing. What, yeah, but he would do the all the mannerisms in the sound booth when he was recording the dialogue. So he would do the whole blah, blah, blah thing, and they're like, oh, that's fantastic. So they would animate that into the character. That's so nice. the animators would take nuances of the actor's performances and put them into the animation, just like Jar Jar, except Ahmed Best was on set every day. Right. Pretty cool. Well, and Sebulba, which we'll talk about later, he was obviously yeah. fully CGI because he's such an oddly shaped character oh, yeah. that someone really couldn't play him. Agreed. So Tiny little guy. Yeah. So then we get uh, the first uh, audible, screen-accurate canon version of a life dead here. Yes. So Qui-Gon tells Boss Nass that basically he saved uh, Jar Jar and he owes him a life debt. Which is so forward thing, and that's the I'm I'm gonna say this a million times. So buckle in, friends. This is why Qui Gon's the best. All right, he's a guy who's been around the galaxy, who's seen a lot of stuff, and who's so forward thinking that he's like, we need to go through the planet core. We don't know how to do that. This guy does. Yeah. How can I best use this situation to get us to where we need to go? Because we've already uh, almost been killed multiple times. We have a mission to get to the queen. So he's like, okay, we need a navigator. Boom. Thinking ahead. Life debt, pull the card, man. Yeah. And he did. And I guess that might be one of the few uh, life debts that's actually canon because Chewbacca and the whole Han thing didn't really turn out to be a life debt. Yeah, not yet at least. Yeah. So there we go. That's our life debt. Yeah. Jar Jar and Qui-Gon. And then they go through, uh, so they get the uh, the bongo, which yes. is pretty cool. I love the bongo. Pretty... We, ooh, ooh, ooh. I had one also, of those too. Yeah, oh, they're great. I think also, it's a happy meal toy. I think it was too. Yeah, it was. It definitely was from like McDonald's. Yes. Yeah, I remember it. So we also get a uh, a Jedi mind trick in that scene. Oh, Qui Gon Jedi that? mind tricks. He Jedi mind tricks Boss Nass. It's very very subtle. Look at the bottom when he says like we could use a transport, 
and he's using a Jedi mind trick on Boss Ness. Oh. Yeah, watch it. Watch his hand because he literally says, like, you know, then you will send us on our way. And he says, we're going to speed you away because we could use a transport because we're going to give you a bongo. And he's like, all right, cool. Like, that was Qui-Gon using a Jedi mind trick on Boss Ness to get them out of there and to get a transport. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I realized that because he does some yep. more obvious ones later on in the movie. Yeah, that's why it's a big deal because we've seen him use a Jedi mind trick and it's worked before. But then when it happens with Watto, you know, mind tricks don't work on toy Darians, only money. Yep. Only yep. money. Only money. Yeah. <laughs> um, My impressions are so bad, but I can't stop them. It's okay. It's okay. I can't do <laughs> I can't do them any better, so it's all right. <laughs> um so then Queen Amidala is captured and you know, a bunch of stuff happens. And R2-D2 shows up and saves the day. He does. And so this is like the intro of R2-D2. And Mm. it's amazing because he is a hero. He is. He has saved the day. And uh, the J-Type 327 Nubian Star Cruiser is actually my favorite starship in all of Star Wars. Really? It is. I love how sleek it is. It's beautiful. Um, I'm obsessed with Naboo. Like, it's my favorite planet. Always has been. Uh, my, My desktop wallpaper for the last decade has been the wide shot of the Naboo cliffs from episode three. Um, I, so how did I not I, know this? How did I not know this was your favorite planet? Oh dude, I'm obsessed. Everything about Naboo, the fact, the culture, the, the design, the music, the, the species, the idea that like the, the star cruiser, right? The Royal starship has no weapons on it. It's just shields because Naboo is a peaceful planet. Oh. I was like to, to be so, uh, into your ideals, you know, to be so about them that your royal starship, which its job is to transport dignitaries, doesn't even have weapons on it. Yeah. I was like, man, that speaks volumes. Yeah. And it just looks so sleek and cool. It's just and beautiful. I love it. It's my favorite ship. I love it, too. I don't think yeah. it's my favorite, but I love it. It's beautiful. That's okay. It's my favorite. Um, <laughs> then, we, then we meet Darth Maul. And yes, we do. so we've seen Palpatine this whole time. We've seen the Emperor, you know, in little transmissions. Obviously, people can make the connection if you have a brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was really rude. Honestly, Savannah you probably Kiefer. might not make the connection if you saw this back in 1999 because... Because you didn't have a brain. Because you didn't have a brain. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Savannah I didn't Kiefer. mean it like that. But, you know, it is pretty yeah, obvious. Sure. <laughs> Some <laughs> I've never known the Emperor without knowing Palpatine. So I can only sure. speak from that experience. Um so from I, my experience, if you can't connect them, you don't have an you don't have a brain. But other people have other experiences and they might not realize that those are the same people and that's okay. Liam Neeson. Okay. Do you know do you know that story? No. So apparently uh Ian McDermott and Liam Neeson, you know they had a few scenes together yeah. as, Pal- as Palpatine and Qui-Gon, but he obviously wasn't there for any of the uh, uh, Darth Sidious scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently Liam Neeson hadn't seen any of the footage and everything, so uh-huh. when he went to the premiere, he went up to Ian afterwards like, dude, I didn't know it was you! I literally just said that Liam Neeson didn't have a brain. You did. That's you exactly did. what I was saying. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. You like how I kind of like led the road a little bit? Be like, he didn't see any of the scenes, yeah. so there was nothing to yeah. not have an opinion about. True. Okay. So, so he's allowed, but anyone else who saw the movie normally isn't. Yeah. You know, you know, brainers, <laughs> according to Savannah. Not so me. Sorry. Brian. Brian doesn't say that. Savannah does. Well, At Savannah Kiefer. You know. 
<laughs> Anyways, we meet Darth Maul. <laughs> we do. In the movie. And he's yep. alongside the Emperor. And, and, and we hear him talk, but that's not actually Ray Park speaking. It's somebody else. Correct. Peter Serafinowitz. And that guy is not nice. I'm just kidding. I think I heard a, an interview one time that he did, and he was like totally hating on the Phantom Menace. And I was just like, "All right, cool. I don't like you." Um, oh, that's lame. But Ray Park is obviously really proud of his work that he did. So I was like, "You are worthy." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you are worthy of showing up in Solo. Spoilers. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Spo- Spoiler, Savannah. That's just kidding. Okay. The last show was a Solo one. I know. Yeah, and we talked about it already on yeah. the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, we we meet Darth Maul, and I. Don't remember seeing, I don't remember like my reaction to him as a kid, but I'm pretty sure I probably thought he was like the devil. Fair. Because he is super scary. Agreed. But at least they introduce him like with his hood on and he is a little subdued because of the lighting. Like you can obviously see his face tattoos and stuff, but his eyes aren't like crazy glowing yellow yet. And yeah, you don't see the horns because his hood's up. Yeah, you don't see the horns. And he doesn't look super terrifying with his nasty teeth because he's just standing there <laughs> talking. Later on, you see him and you're just like, ooh, you haven't brushed your teeth and you are scary. That's right. So, and and you, you don't even assume yet that he has a lightsaber. Yeah. Never, nonetheless, a double-bladed one. Oh, my gosh. Which you don't even get to the end, but we'll get there. The best. Yeah, Darth Maul's terrifying. So, You'll um... Hit- so do you want to do the the most iconic Darth Maul line of that scene? I'm going to let you do it. Oh, God. You got to do at least one because people already hate me. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I'll have this right word for word, but he goes, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have our revenge. Ooh. <laughs> that was perfect. All right. For a second, I saw Darth Maul and I was like, oh, what? man, this is crazy. All right. I We're know it's Savannah, but like, disbelief is suspended. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Padme, R2-D2, Jar Jar, they all land on Tatooine. They do. and Because they have to. Because the hyperdrive to, is leaking. Because the hyperdrive is leaking. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan stays behind with the ship. Qui-Gon goes with Jar Jar to find help basically. And Padme. And Padme goes with them. So so Padme comes out, and I think it was Panaka that said the queen um, requests that one of her handmaiden goes. Yep, that's true. But uh, obviously at this time, none of us know that Padme is actually the queen. We think she mm-hmm. is just a handmaiden. Um, Correct. Which I think is pretty amazing. And I Agreed. just want to say, this is the one Star Wars movie where I actually like Padme. And I know you love her. What? And we'll talk about this more in our episode oh, two boy. and episode three um, discussions. But I okay. I actually genuinely like her in this movie, which good is it. <laughs> like, Me too. This um, is it. Oh, man, this is going to be a rough series. I didn't know, guys. I'm not going to get nasty. I don't have any, <laughs> like, horrible, nasty thoughts about it. it, it she just kind of disappointed me. But it's okay. Um, it's okay. It's not a, It's not a bad thing. Okay. She She's is a, a flawed character. Mm, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Alrighty. I mean, I just. I, it's okay. We'll, get we'll there. talk about that more next time. I don't want to get into that too much because I want to talk about her in this movie and I like her a lot in this Good, movie. Good, because she's great in this she's movie. She's great in this she's movie. She's a queen. 
So anyways, Padme goes with them. She's wearing this really cool outfit. And, she is. Um, they end up at Watto's shop. And so they meet Watto. And then Anakin comes out. And they meet Anakin. And this is mm-hmm. the first time Padme and Anakin meet. And he's like, are you an angel? And so... just want to say this because we're defending the prequels here. Everyone makes fun of this line. I don't know why. Because I think it's dumb. precious. And yes, right? you can tell he's such a curious boy. He's very smart. And he genuinely has probably never seen a girl like her in his entire life because everyone that lives there is so worn down and dirty and they work and they're slaves and they're just, he probably mm-hmm. doesn't see very many girls that look like Padme and she is gorgeous. So he was probably sure. just like, wow, she is so pretty. She must be an angel. I have no problem yeah. with this line. Let's be honest. He just says what all of us were thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so another thing from the uh, BTS documentary is that they showed Jake Lloyd along with two other boys that were in the top of the um, casting audition. decision, basically. Yeah, the audition. Brian, you know all these terms because you're an actor. Oh, so stop it. basically they showed this scene with all three boys uh, saying the lines and like doing the scene with Natalie. And I know people want to hate on Jake Lloyd every day, but he delivered this scene so much better than the other boys. The other boys were just reading off their lines. They had zero emotion. They had zero like differences in their voice. It was just one monotone line. And I will defend Jake Lloyd in this movie forever. Whatever he does after this movie, I'm not going to defend it. But he was so young and he genuinely did a good job. And he had emotion in his voice. And you could see in his eyes how he felt. And I just thought he did a really great job. And Can we go into this a little bit? Oh, we're we're going in. I'm like so going in right now. Okay. We're we're, we're doing this. Yeah. I would, I, I cannot speak for the entire world, but I will say it seems to me in my experience that a majority of the people who have a problem with Anakin were original trilogy fans, right? So that you, I don't, I didn't know anyone who was like eight like me and being like, oh God, that Anakin kid was such a horrible actor Yeah. because I was also eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's pretty horrible to be in your twenties, thirties plus whatever you are and to be talking about an eight year old kid. And Mind talking you, about when most how of those 20, 30 year old people could probably not act for a second. Exactly. Acting is really, really hard. And this is an eight year old child who's doing his best. He was the best out of them, in my opinion. He got the role because he got the role. You know, they didn't just like, oh, well, I guess we'll just find somebody. Like, he earned it, you know? Yeah. And to hate on a child and to tell him that he raped your childhood or ruined all these things is just horrible. Horrible. And I think he did great. I really do. I think he fit the character. I think he had heart. I think Jake Lloyd, as a kid, came across as a kid. You know, like, the biggest problem in the galaxy is nobody helps each other. Like, I believed that when he said it. You know, he had that behind him. And I think people are just horrible. And that's what happened. Yeah. And and that's all I'll say about that. In this movie, Anakin is a very smart boy. He's very talented. He knows what matters. And... He wants, like you said, he wants to help people and he especially wants to help his mom. And we'll talk about this in detail later on, but like, you know, when he has to leave her and stuff, he he was so emotional, like, but he was strong because he knew he had to be and she told exactly. him to be. And I just, I think he's great in this movie and 
<laughs> you know, he he runs off and goes, yippee! But, like, he was getting off work for the day. and He's a kid! He's a kid and he's a slave. And, like, who wouldn't ye- yell yippee, you know? like Exactly. He's a slave. That's yeah. another thing. Like, there's this movie called Life is Beautiful. And the whole thing is, like, this, this father and the son end up in a concentration camp, right, during World War II. Mm-hmm. And the dad is playing games with his son, so he never fully grasps what's going on around him, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think that Anakin is a slave who is a child and still can say yippee and, like, he's got to find some kind of happiness. He doesn't let it get him down. Yeah. At eight, yeah. you know? It's a it's a big thing, a huge testament to his character. The fact that he just meets these people and he's like, there's a horrible storm coming. You're not going to make it to your ship. Come to my house. Yeah. Okay, so and let's, then he's let's like, talk about oh, that. Yeah. So basically, so Watto won't do business with Qui-Gon because he doesn't want Republic credits and all that stuff. They're no good out here. Yeah. They're no good. He wants real money. And so they're just like, okay, well, we'll leave. So they leave and they're like walking through the city and they run into Sebulba and anyways, Anakin gets off work, so he comes and kind of kind of helps them get out of that sticky situation. He saves Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah, he saves Jar Jar, and then and then Anakin's like, "Oh, there's a sandstorm coming. You know, come come with me. You can you can stay at my place for shelter," which is so sweet. He doesn't know these people; they're strangers. They got this weird looking alien with them. Like, I'm sure he's never seen a Gungan. Let's be real. Of course. Not. And and he takes him to his house, and so. Uh, they meet Shmi, his mother, who I think is amazing. Agreed. Let, let's talk about Shmi for a second. She needs some props because, hello. Agreed. She did not have this baby with anyone. Like, right? She carried him and gave birth to him and raised him all on her own. There she is no a slave. Else. And obviously, no one would want their child to be in that life. But, hello, Immaculate Conception here. Like, the chosen one. She didn't have a choice. And she raised such a sweet boy. You can tell he's a hard worker. He still is like lighthearted and has fun, even though he lives this horrible life and he doesn't know any better. And she respects his kindness. And she knows like he wants to do all these amazing things and you know, he wants to race pod racers and she knows it's dangerous. But eventually she's like, Well, if these people need help, I'm gonna let you help them. And like that's a really good mom. Huge, so, huge, huge. So while, while they're at Anakin's house, they, uh, they're like walking around and, and Anakin shows, I think he shows Padme. He does. You um, want to see my droid? C-3PO. Yeah. So he made a droid. C-3PO was unfinished. He didn't have his coverings on yet and he wasn't like fully. His parts were showing. His parts were showing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that was really cool. A really cool introduction of C-3PO. And I think it makes that character so much more meaningful in the original trilogy, knowing that. He made he made him. He was made by Darth Vader. Like Agreed. I'm know? into it. Um, I'm and into that's it. when R2D two and C three PO met. So they go way back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really cool. And then um Palpatine sends Maul to Tatooine oh. and you know, he's like on his way. And then um it, there's a scene with Anakin and his mom and Qui Gon and Padme and Jar Jar and they're all having dinner. Which oh, yes. is like, hello, you know these people have no money, and she managed to somehow make something for them to eat. Like, amazing. How kind is this woman? I love her. I'm so sad. Can I just say I'm so sad that Shmi didn't make it much longer oh, because heart- heartbreaking. I want more Shmi. Like she's so great. I'm glad she found a little happiness, you know, with uh, Klee Lars. 
Yeah. You know, so she, like she had a husband, she had a family. He obviously really loved her. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, she did find some happiness in life because yeah. she's older, and I, I mean, she's been a slave her whole life. We can assume. Yeah. You know, so it's it's great that you know he freed her and married her. Yeah. So, so that's pretty cool. At least there was some, some happiness there. Yeah. But still, so, very tragic. It's so sad. But at dinner, Anakin basically claims that he's the only human who can pod race. And he's telling um, the crew. I'm going to call them the crew rather than saying Jar Jar and Padme and Qui-Gon the whole time. He basically tells them what pod racing is. And Qui-Gon knows what it, what it is. And he's like, oh, yeah, they have that on Malastare. It's very fast, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Anakin's like, mm, I can do it. And he's just, like, so smug and so cool and he's just confident, <laughs> but not in a way where he's, like, arrogant. He's just, no, like... No, he's in, like, a proud sort of, like, yeah, I'm the only human who can do it. Exactly. And then uh, he kind of figures out that Qui-Gon is a Jedi. He's like, I saw your laser sword. <laughs> and then... Perhaps I killed the Jedi and took it from him. Yeah. But then he asks Qui-Gon, he's like, are you here to free us or to help us? And Qui-Gon said no. But Anakin was like, you know, I think you are. I think why you else? have. <laughs> why, el- why else are you here? And I was thinking about that when I was rewatching this the other day. And I was just like, I wonder if, because of his high midichlorian count, if he somehow had a feeling that he was going to get out soon. Like, if he, like, I think he, he did. Know? And also, like, I that's think, amazing. <laughs> like, I think, like, I think, like, in amazing. a vague way, because he talks about, you know, right. he, like, he probably didn't recognize it, that. Yeah, like, he felt it, I'm sure, in the Force. And, like, you know, Qui-Gon talks about how he sees things before they happen. That's why he appears to have such quick reflexes. Mm-hmm. You know, so when he sees Qui-Gon and then he sees the lightsaber and it's like, a, it's like you know, I think you have. Like, something in Anakin is like, hmm. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. You yeah. Know? So Qui-Gon starts to see that there's something special about this kid. And in the end, Shmi agrees to let Anakin help the crew um, by racing in the Boon to Eve race, because Anakin had this great idea about how he could race and all the winning money could buy them, you know, what they needed. And Shmi was like, she didn't want to say yes, but she did because she knew that they needed help. And she knew that her boy was the only person that could help them. So that That's was right. really cool. Um, and then Qui-Gon kind of calls Obi-Wan in his little telecommunicator thing. And he says that there's something about that boy. He knew, Mm -hmm. he felt something was different and special about him. And he didn't know what it was. Or maybe he did and he just didn't tell Obi-Wan. But he notified Obi-Wan at that time that something was special about him. And that was all he said. He just said, there's something about this boy. And that was it. It was a test test the blood sample later that night. This is a big moment as well. Uh, Obviously, Qui-Gon, we're going. Uh, So... (laughs) With with this right here, right, the idea that the Jedi at the time, you know, were so about the rules and so set in their ways that they weren't necessarily listening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, we've been through this song and dance so much, you know, it kind of is what it is. But the fact that Qui-Gon realized that, you know what I mean? And the thing that I love about Qui-Gon as well is he he's so honest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He is what he is. He will tell you the truth and he's not going to sugarcoat it. Like the idea that... uh you know, Anakin's like, I think you have. And he goes, I see there's no lying to you. Mm-hmm. Here's what's ha- here's what's happening, mm-hmm. right? He tells this kid that he doesn't know everything. He's like, we're on an important mission. We're trying to get to here. We don't have the money for the parts that we need. Like, that's what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? And like the, a lot of other Jedi probably around this time would be like, you know, Jedi business. Yeah. You know, we don't have time for this. And Qui-Gon's like, you know, there is something about this boy. Yeah. He just, he's paying attention to the will of the force. And that's what makes him the greatest Jedi of all time. Because he, he, he's there. He's in tuned. He's not about the ways. He's a Jedi master, right? So he's been around. 
He knows the roles. He knows how to be a Jedi. He's a damn good one. And then is still open to the will of the Force as it's speaking to him. Yeah. You know, you know, concentrate on the mo- concentrate on the future, but not at the expense of the moment. Be conscious of the living Force. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a big moment that he has there with Anakin, and the fact that Anakin like calls him out. You know, I think you have like Qui-Gon's like, hmm, people right. do- aren't normally this attuned. Right. To what's going on. And it's and like, it's how would that have forever changed the history of the universe, the Star Wars universe, if Qui-Gon had just ignored him and kept on with his life? Absolutely. Like, that literally would have changed everything. The whole everything. Star Wars saga is because of Qui-Gon's decision. Dude, think about it. Qui-Gon was the first Jedi to become one with the Force and retain his identity. Like, yes. the history of existence would have been different without him. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. But we'll, we'll get we'll that We'll talk later. about him more. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll talk about him in little sections. So, yeah, yeah. um, so basically Anakin works on his pod and gets it to work. So that's exciting. And obviously he's able to, to, uh, race. And yeah. that's the night that Qui-Gon tests Anakin's blood. And he mm-hmm. tells Obi-Wan, you know, to check the midichlorian count. And Obi-Wan reports that it's higher than Master Yoda's. Like, Over 20,000. Like crazy. Huge. And at this time, we didn't know what midichlorians were, by the way. So Correct. this was a new concept in Star Wars. This was never mentioned in the original trilogy. And you, I'll explain it later because they actually talk yeah, we'll about get it. Yeah, we'll get later. into midichlorians. <laughs> but um, at this time, you know, if you were watching The Phantom Menace for the first time, especially in 1999, you probably had no idea what he was doing and what these midichlorians were. But something was special about them, especially if he had more than Yoda. So right. that's kind of that for the time being. And then... Uh, the big pod race sequence happens, and Great. the Boon to Eve, like my favorite thing, the Boon to Eve classic, Boon to Eve classic, and um, I, I honestly don't have a ton to say about this other than I love it. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> other than it's awesome, and people, Ben Quadraneros deserve better. <laughs> yeah, people complain about this all the time. Wait, let let me talk about the behind the scenes stuff before I go into the actual movie because we know that's my favorite. So, uh. A lot of people probably think all of those pods are CGI. You are wrong. Um, They made huge life-size models of every single pod in that sequence. Yeah, they did. And they were made out of wood and they were painted and they were like ready to go. And the night before they were supposed to start shooting those sequences and whatnot, there was a Mm -hmm. huge actual sandstorm in Tunisia. So they had their little movie sandstorm and then they had an actual (laughs) sandstorm. Um, and the sandstorm had like 75 mile an hour winds and they were so strong that they literally destroyed like four months of work on the city where Anakin lived. And do what? It wrecked the set. It wrecked it. And it also destroyed all of the pods except for, the actual, um, like, chassis of Anakin's pod. Like, it destroyed the engines, but it somehow didn't destroy his little pod where he sat. But all the other pods were destroyed. And that probably cost so much money to make those. Oh, so yeah. I think they had to obviously delay the, the sequences and stuff when they were shooting that, and they had to fix everything. But that was a huge blow for one of the biggest scenes of the movie like this and i feel like the end fight are the two biggest scenes in the whole movie um 
and that's a lot of money wasted <laughs> to, to yeah. get stuff destroyed. So that's huge. And the Agreed. fact that they even took the time to make those things is huge. And it took them four months to make them. And then they're just like a pile of rubble. Yeah. So, <laughs> Can um, you imagine waking up that day and being like, oh, no. Rick McCallum <laughs> drives in. He goes, this is grim. Yeah. This is really yeah. grim. And I was just like, you are being so happy right now for this. And he goes right. up to John Nolan. He goes, this is why we have technology. The beauty of technology. <laughs> and John is just like basically telling him to shut up with his eyes like he's just like i don't want to hear it rick Um, john's like i already invented photoshop what more do you want from me (laughs) exactly exactly so um so an unsung hero of the pod race with like not just the technology performance the models the sound yes the sound of the pod races anakin sebulba's terrifying and like when they're zooming by yeah, and then the Tuscan Raiders are along the along the track, yeah. and they're just shooting people because they can. And you see Aura Singh. And then Aura Singh, yeah. yeah, we know what happens to her. Well, we know <laughs> now. Isn't that so great? I love it. It's, I, one, it's one of my favorite lines of Solo. <laughs> I love, I love the Boon to Eve classic sequence because um, I know a lot of people complain that it feels very long. But honestly, when you watch it, there's so much going on that's keeping you interested and keeping you anxious to find out what happens that it doesn't feel long when you're watching it. If you've seen it a billion times, it might feel long. But, you know, like like when I watched it for the first time in, you know, a couple years or whatever it had been when I watched it like a month and a half ago, I was so into it. I was like, oh, I forgot all the little things that happened along the way. Obviously, I know Anakin wins at the end, but I forgot about a lot of the things that happened to get him sure. to that win. So, Rest in peace, Rats Tyrell. Aww. He had a family. Aww. He had a family, Savannah. I know. Pour some out. I know. Done. Um, okay, another BTS thing. I just love behind the scenes, guys. Um, yeah. They made a model of the audience section. They did. And uh, so, so they obviously shot like real people and real aliens in uh, – in that section and whatnot and had them cheer and had them boo and all that. And Warwick Davis was there. Yeah. And, but they also made a little model for the far away shots and they put colored Q-tips in there to look like people and they blew (laughs) air on it to make them move around a little bit. And that's literally the background of some of the shots, but you can't tell, like you have no idea. Um, Amazing. But I think it's just such a great idea to do that. I agree. It just, it makes me so happy. Q-tips. Like, I agree. And then right before the race, we get uh, one of my favorite quotes. Oh, yes. It it actually was my ringtone for like three years. We get uh, a Qui-Gon wisdom again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Feel, don't think, use your instincts, Mm -hmm. you know, which is one, great advice. And two, especially good advice for Anakin, because we know that he quite possibly could be force sensitive. We know his midi-chlorian counts are off the charts. So it's like, how aware is he of this? Yeah. So as a Jedi Master, I'm just going to give him a little bit and see what he does with it. And then he wins the Boonteeth Classic. And I Gold. think it's before he races that um, Qui-Gon makes the deal with Watto, right? Yes, right before. When he's about to uh, talk, when he's about to go put Anakin in the pod and it's like game time. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm betting heavily on Sebulba. And he's like, I'll take that bet. Yeah. You know, no pod is worth two slaves. And, and, and that's, another, that's another big thing, you know, here that... Uh, uh, some people criticize Qui-Gon about, you know, as the, the idea that he would take a kid from his mom 
and and the idea that he's not thinking about the the full picture there. But in this moment, Qui Gon is on a mission, a very very important one, to where there's literally a queen in his ship yeah. that is being hunted, and he needs to get them to Coruscant by any means necessary. And even with that much pressure on you, he sees Anakin. He's made to realize that the prophecy might actually be true. This might actually be the kid. Yeah. You know, and then he's not thinking about small scale stuff anymore. He's not thinking about Anakin. He's not thinking about his mom on Tatooine specifically. He's thinking about the balance to the force and the impact that will have on the galaxy as a whole. So he's like, you know what? Yes, I will bet everything that we have that my theory that this is the chosen one is true. And that faith and that uh, uh, sticking to your guns is one of the biggest things that I admire about him and why he's my favorite character. Uh, is because of stuff like that, like pure belief. He knows for a fact this is what he believes and he's willing to risk it all for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. But uh, obviously Anakin wins the race and he does. helps Qui-Gon out. And uh, Qui-Gon is able to go get a new hypergenerator. Yes. And he takes it back to the ship and he tells Obi-Wan to work on that. And then he goes, I got to go back for something, though. So he goes back and he frees Anakin. And he didn't tell Anakin that he was betting to free him. You know, he didn't no. He didn't tell him any of that. And he so he not. just told him. He went back and he was basically just like, you're free. And Anakin was like, what? And then you're Anakin no was like, am I going to get to be a Jedi? You know, am I going to get to go with you? And Or maybe Shmi asked that. And... Qui-Gon said yes, and so Anakin had to like immediately pack up his things into a little backpack because, hello, he doesn't have a lot of things. He's a slave. Right. And <laughs> has Whoa. to say goodbye to 3PO and explain to 3PO why he's leaving, and then he has to leave his mom. And That's... imagine being his mom and having absolutely nothing in your life of value except for your child, and he's probably the only thing that brings her joy. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a partner. She doesn't have anyone except for this kid. Yeah. She doesn't know how she became pregnant with him, but she just is like, he's my kid and I love him and she takes care of him and all that. And she works for a horrible man or a horrible being and now this child is leaving her. But she tells him to go and she tells him to not look back and he's obviously like really sad when he leaves and I just love that scene when he has to say goodbye to her because he's so, it's so sad. sad. It's like so he doesn't cry. Nobody he cries. Doesn't. He's so sad. She's so sad. But she knows this is the best thing for her child. It doesn't matter what she wants. It doesn't matter if she's going to miss him or if she's going to be alone. This is the best thing for her kid. And she trusts this random stranger to take <laughs> him, you know? Yeah. And sure. And she just trusts that this is what's meant to be. And she tells him to go and not look back. And she tells him that if he feels in her heart that they'll see each other again, then they will. Not knowing that the next time they see each other, she's going to die in like five seconds, you know. Like, so sad, ugh, I know. So sad, but it, it's just amazing because like Qui-Gon and like you were talking about like his faith and his belief and all that, she also had that same, she had to be Absolutely. content and she had to know that he was going to be okay. Exactly, and she knew that it was better than a slave's life. It was better than you a know. slave's life and... And his needs were more important than hers. Absolutely. It's it's so, so sad. sad. You know, I can't um, even imagine. By the way, this is totally a headcanon. I so wish Qui-Gon and Shmi were an item. I'd like, be into it. 
they would be such a precious couple. <laughs> so, I'm not mad at it. I'm just saying that. They'd Fair. Be great. You, you you skipped over Obi Wan's uh, fantastic line. Uh, oh, right how be- do I feel? <laughs> we picked up another pathetic life form. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, again, great humor in this movie. Like, yes, Jar Jar is silly and goofy, but like, there's some really solid. Oh yeah, legit My, humor in this to, movie. To this day, I still laugh when Jar Jar gets his hand stuck in the vent. Oh, same. To this day, like when he gets the stuck right. and then he tries to walk away. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's so great. It's gold. But yeah, just uh, I gotta go talk about the boy. He's responsible for this part. Why do I have a feeling we picked up another pathetic life form? Yeah. Obi Wan, <laughs> stop that. Yeah, <laughs> we're Jedi here. <laughs> uh, so funny. That's yeah, great. He gets he gets, he saves Anakin. Well, technically, Anakin kind of saved himself. Qui-Gon just facilitated. Yeah. Because Anakin won the race. Yep. But, you know, Qui-Gon also used the Force on the Chance Cube, so it was was a joint effort. Well, I mean, that was a really (laughs) small part of it. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah, Anakin Anakin handled business without even knowing it. Yeah. So good. So while uh, while Qui-Gon is taking Anakin back to the ship, they encounter Darth Maul. And at this time, nobody really realized, yo, the Sith is around, and so... He fights this guy and escapes, and they get back to the ship. And um, huge moment, huge moment in yeah. history. And they're just like WTF, like what I know. Kiati <laughs> Mundi talks about how the what Sith have been it? extinct for a millennia. He's so an you think idiot. <laughs> Qui Gon? <laughs> you think Qui Gon is the first Jedi in a thousand years to fight a Sith? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like huge, huge moment. That yeah. actually, that there's an artwork piece of Qui-Gon and Darth Maul fighting. It's been my phone lock screen for as long as I've had a cell phone. Of course. And because it's it's huge. It's a giant moment. Imagine like encountering something you've never encountered before. You know what I mean? Like he's just on his way home and then he hears the noise and it turns around and he's like, and I can't drop. Yeah. And then this he's so guy quick to tell him that too. Yeah. This dude just like jumps off of his speeder. He doesn't park it. He doesn't <laughs> <it's fine. laughs> and then pulls out a lightsaber, which there's no way you're expecting that. And then just starts attacking you like crazy. You know, and when we get to the end of it, we'll talk about why he lost. But yeah. uh, it's a major deal yeah. that this Jedi Master, all while, like, think about the pressure going on right now. Like, you're on your way back to protect the queen, and right outside the ship, a Sith Lord shows up with yeah. a lightsaber. You're like, oh, man, it just cranked up to 100. Yeah. But he gets out. He gets out, which is He awesome. gets out. And then Anakin and Obi-Wan meet for the first time. And Anakin's like, you're a Jedi too? Pleased to meet you. It's so freaking cute. So great. It's like, dude, there's so many Jedi. Wait till you meet all of them. <laughs> like, That's right. That's right. I love it. At the it. height of the order, 10,000, which in, which actually in hindsight isn't a lot when you're considering a galaxy. Yeah. Kind of big, but, but that's uh, a subject for another But then like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are just looking at each other like, what the hell just happened? What do we do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But they make it they back make- to Coruscant. They do. And, uh, oh, another funny thing from the BTS is that, um, Jake Lloyd had to say Corazon and yeah. he called it Coruscant. <laughs> yeah. And it was so funny because, uh, Liam Neeson had just said Corazon in the same scene, like, like literally 25 seconds before Anakin had to say it. <laughs> and Jake Lloyd was like, Coruscant. And then George was like, cut. And they, and, and George went over there and he was like, oh, you know, it's, it's Corazon and Jake was so upset, and he's like, "I'm, you know, oh, I'll get it right." And George was like, "No, it's it's okay. Like, it's okay if you don't get it." And um, 
And Jake was like, no, because then everybody will laugh. And it made me so <laughs> sad. And George was like, no, they're not going to laugh. And he was, like, so sweet to him. Like, George was so sweet. And he was trying was. to help him say it the right way, you know. Tragic so how the, the public treated both of them. I God. know. I know. Uh, anyway, they make it to Corazon. They make it to Corazon. <laughs> and uh, Qui-Gon informs the council that Maul is a thing and he doesn't even know his name he's just like yo i encountered this crazy dude and uh, i think he's a sith like what right. else would he be and then he stays behind and yoda's like master Qui-Gon, more to say have you <laughs> yeah he asks encountered a virgins he's encountered a virgins and he tells them about anakin and asks to train him and exactly ask that he be tested ask that he be tested that's what exactly. it was. I, a cup. A cup. So <laughs> a Anakin speeder. is tested by the council, and he basically gets everything right. But they can all sense that he's thinking about his mom, and that he's scared, and he's fearful, and he's got all these emotions in him. Mm-hmm. And then Yoda tells him about fear, and he's like, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads right. to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. To suffering. Oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. You got the whole line. Thank you. <laughs> and, and his little ears go down. I know. His little eyes. And it's funny because I was watching this with the remastered CGI Yoda, but I just oh, remember right. in my brain, like the puppet Yoda making those crazy eyes when he says that. Oh, yeah. The really bad puppet. <laughs> Honestly. All right. Let's talk about this. Let's talk it's about it. It's not that bad. It's not great either, though. They tried to make a puppet younger, and he's just more bubbly. And like his forehead is just like very bulbous i don't mind it's, him uh, at all i it's don't not, mind him at I'll all i'll say okay I, i'll take it back it's not bad but it definitely looked different it looked slightly off yeah he looked different i, I loved but it he as was a kid also younger so deal yeah with true it, brian yeah I know. <laughs> we're not having any hate in this movie it's not discussion. a hate it's just a, it's <laughs> an observation i love yoda yoda's probably my second favorite character and uh, yeah, no, he's great. He looked a and little more perky. His eyes were a little perky, more like yes. perky and his skin was a little tighter and looked a little more moisturized. But that's okay. Yes. He was younger. That, that's a perfect word. He perky. looked more moisturized. Moisturized, <laughs> yeah. He Fair. was using his anti-aging cream. And then by the time Empire came around, he was just like, dude, I don't have time for this. I'm on Dagobah. I don't even know where to get this moisturizing cream anymore. Like, exactly. I got to let You're it go. Exactly. There's so enough humidity options. on this planet that <laughs> hopefully that will help my skin stay nice. That's right. You can't like Amazon it because then they'll have your address and they'll follow you and he's in exile. So you know what? I'm glad we worked this out. Thank you. (laughs) All right. But yeah, he did. Leads to suffering. (laughs) And this this quote is actually one of the biggest reasons why the Jedi are wrong at this time. Because they're about the books. And like I understand their thinking. I get because Jedi are my thing. Everyone knows. And to what they're doing is they're kind of like nipping it out of the bud, you know? It's like if you're going to be a Jedi, you're going to be able to use the Force, right? So you're going to have these superpowers, okay? And if you have that kind of power, you need to be able to control it. So what they do is they get you at a, as a baby, and then they're able to kind of stifle off your emotional growth because, like Superman, all right? They brainwash Superman, you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, but in but like with kind of good intentions. Like Yeah, it's not su- bad. Superman is great because he grew up on a farm in Kansas. You know what I mean? He had like a wholesome home life with good parents and everything. If Superman grew up in a horrible situation, we would have to put him down because he can kill literally everyone. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's no stopping him. There's the the amount of destruction that he could cause if he'd grown up in the wrong part of town is just it's too big of a risk to take. And that's kind of where the Jedi are coming from. They're being preemptive. If you can move things with your mind, if you can use Jedi mind tricks, if you could use Force Lightning, if you unlocked it, like you you cannot be running off of emotion. Yeah. Because if something goes wrong. The destructive power that you have is such a risk to innocent people around you. Yeah. So it's like that. that's where they're coming from. They're like, all right, you're very afraid. That's not good. Right. Because fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. If you make it to anger, you can kill pretty much everybody you want. Yeah. You know, if and you have the force. And guess what he does. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. So they were kind of right. Yeah. You know, but that but that's the problem is they're so by the rules that when the, the exception, which is the chosen one, you know, the, the one who's supposed to bring balance to the Force, the one in the prophecy shows up and they're like, sorry, man, yeah, you, you've got fear. Like, what are we going to do? And yeah. that's where Qui-Gon does the whole, like, no. You know, puts his hands on his hips and is like, what? Am oh, I the I only one paying attention here? You know? Yeah. And just like, the, the, so that that is where the Jedi are very wrong in that they stopped looking at people so much so that the Chosen One is right in front of their face. And they're like, sorry, man, he's too old. You know, what are we going to do? The rules, like rule number four, you know? And during all of this, it's interesting because Obi-Wan tells Qui-Gon, basically, if he kept his mouth shut, he'd be on the council. (laughs) And Qui-Gon's just like, bro, I don't care. I'll do what I I don't need that. I don't care. I love it. Um, Love it! But uh, during all of this, so, so the Jedi Council says that Anakin is too old to be... Won't be trained. Correct. To be trained. That's what, that's what they say. Um... Can't break the rules, man. And they're like, dude, you already have a Padawan. Yeah. And he tells them that Obi-Wan is ready for the trials, which is like, I'm sure Obi-Wan was just blushing up a storm because (laughs) like, how great is that? That's Um, right. So that's what happens. That goes back to the idea of like him sticking to his guns and his belief. So much so that like, I guarantee that if Anakin had not showed up, Qui-Gon would not have said Obi-Wan's ready for the trials right away. Yeah. He's like, you know, we got a little bit more, you know what I mean? But then Qui-Gon sees Anakin, knows he's the chosen one, and he's willing to risk everything. He's like, no, Obi-Wan's fine. You don't understand how important this is? And if nobody else is going to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. And like, well, you have a Padawan. Not anymore, I don't. Yeah. Like, you don't understand how important this is, you know? Like, sure, blind, not even blind, sure, pure faith sticking to his guns in the face of the council. That's right, Rex. He understands. You know, like like the head of the order, the bosses of the boss. And he's like, nah, you, if you don't see it, that's fine. I see it. And then even goes so much as to say, like, they're not going to let me train you. So stand near me and I'll just talk louder so you can hear. So I'm kind of training yeah. you, but like also kind of not, yeah. you know? Well, and then but, he explains to Anakin what midichlorians are. Because Anakin's yes. like, I hear them talking about midichlorians. I'm, what are midichlorians? And Let's he, dive. He explains the midichlorians. Um, do you want to explain this? Because I'm sure you have it memorized a little bit better than I do. Midichlorians are microscopic organisms that live in our cells that allow us to hear the will of the Force. What? And a lot of people hate that. And I understand. I will say this. I understand the idea because... People who grew up on the originals, and I saw the originals first, and I really loved them. The Force was a mystical energy field that binds all living things together. It it led you to believe that anyone could have it, you know? It's like, oh, it's, it's an all-living thing. So you're like, okay, cool, yeah, like I could also be a Jedi. And then episode one rolls around, you find out it's microscopic organisms as a test 
uh, they can test your blood for it, whatever. And that feels exclusionary. People feel like, oh, wait, there's a test, so you're telling me there's a chance that I don't have it. But that's not what they're saying. You know, like, I remember uh, Dave Filoni talking about midichlorians and how George explained it to him. And he said it's it's like potential. You know what I mean? Like, anyone can throw a football. Not everyone is Peyton Manning. Anyone yeah. can throw a punch. Not everyone is Bruce Lee. Yeah. Everyone has midichlorians. Everyone has the force. It's in all living things. But some people have, like, a natural... Uh, ability to to dive into it. Some people can do so much more just naturally, and that's the that's midi chlorians. That's where they come in. If you have over twenty thousand, you're going to be much better than somebody who has far less. Yeah. Not for any reason of your own, just because that's just how it is. You got it's a good hand. Made. Yeah, it's like some yeah. people have artistic ability and some people don't. I can't draw exactly. six but my brother is an amazing artist. Like exactly. You know. So he in in the idea of art, of drawing. Your brother would have a higher midichlorian count. Yeah, exactly. So and I don't have it's a problem not, with that. It's fine. Me neither. And when you explain it like that, and I remember at Celebration 6, uh, the first time I ever saw George Lucas in person, I was at the Star Wars Detours panel, and somebody was talking about, uh, Seth Green was up there, and he goes, you know, when we've worked on the robot chicken with George Lucas and whatever, uh, we got him one day in the office, and we're like, so, George, uh, chlorians, right? What's up with that? And <laughs> then he said that George talked to him for the next hour and explained it. And he goes, how much do you know about molecular biology? He goes, well, you know, he's like, you know, I know a little bit. And he goes, after 45 minutes, we were like, oh yeah, totally. Midichlorians. Yeah, it makes sense. Totally. Wow. <laughs> so, so he wouldn't tell us the details of it, but I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, in my opinion, it's George or no, nothing. You know yeah. what I mean? If George says it is, then George says it is. If I disagree, I personally believe I'm wrong. So that's, I just I'm into like it. That's such a minute aspect like I, I don't know why it bothers people i guess i just because i don't care i'm just like all right cool it's just it is <laughs> it's that it idea is. It, it's that idea that they feel like it could be used to exclude you know what yeah. i mean where before they, they grew up believing the force was anyone could be it which is true because the force is in all of us but yeah. the midichlorians made it be like oh there's a test that right. it, it, it so they instinctually be like oh wait a minute what if i do what if i don't pass the pit what if i don't pass the test what if like my media client count isn't that high as I thought it was. Like, it's a more intellectual look at something that was previously mystical. Right. You know, so like, I understand where they're coming from, though I disagree. Right. Well, yeah. and I'm sure not everybody knows about midichlorians. And so True. when the force is described in um, the original trilogy, it, the way that it was described is probably just easier for people to understand. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. It's basic. For sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's easy stuff. It's well, third grade on. SpongeBob. Third grade SpongeBob. <laughs> um, the crew goes back to Naboo and Jar Jar goes to find the Gungans and ask them for help. And they were no longer underwater and they were in their like little hiding place. And my dog is whining. But, um, <laughs> but basically, he asks them for help. And that's when Padme reveals that she is the actual queen and that. The, mm -hmm. the the one with all the fancy clothes on has been a decoy the whole time. And we're just like, what the heck? This girl has been running all around with Qui-Gon and Jar Jar, meeting Anakin, and now she's the queen? Like, what the heck? So, and Qui-Gon, like, winks at Obi-Wan. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, it's so good. That's such a cool moment, though. And she begs them for help. And she gets on her knees and says, please help us. Which is Absolutely. huge. And huge. 
to have that type of humility as a leader is as a queen of a planet. Nuts. Yeah. Agreed. Nuts. I mean, the, the, the whole Senate scene, right? When, so I love the switches when it's like Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman. Kira Knightley yeah. and Natalie Portman. So much yeah. so that like when Anakin goes to say bye to her, it's Natalie Portman as yeah. the queen. I and love she's like, that. you know, we so, assure her heart goes with you. Like that's, big, huge. That's something I didn't notice until I watched it like a month and a half ago. I'm not even kidding. Really? Yeah, I've never noticed it. And I obviously can tell who, the difference between them. But sure. it never dawned on me that that was Natalie Portman until I saw that recently. That, and I was like, That's amazing. What? Yeah, and that, that's pretty and cool. And the, 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 the scene as well, like it shows, I mean, everybody knows Palpatine is the most dangerous guy in the galaxy. Yeah. He is a true Sith Lord who's been planning this stuff for his entire life. And then he moves up, becomes a senator. And the idea that, like, he invades, he gets the Trade Federation to invade Naboo just so they got her to try to sign a treaty and then brings her to vote, uh, you know, uh, no confidence in Chancellor Valorum's leadership to get rid of the Chancellor to put his own name in the box. To win that, it's like all these things. He's just playing everybody. And then Padme is such a queen of her people that she's like, I understand what you're doing here. Good luck. My people are dying. I'm going to go die with them if I have to. Yeah. And it's so cool. And like she, everyone else, you know, is in politics and like hanging out. Like Orn Frita, the worst person ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, he's horrible. A fat like is like, your people are starving, all right? <laughs> get, get it. Go home. But like Padme's like, I, I've been here for three days and it's three days too long. Yeah. Peace out. Good luck. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, so they that. agree to help, and then there's that huge Gungan droid battle. And then the rest yeah. of the crew, including Padme, they infiltrate Thede. And this is one of the reasons why I love Padme, because in this movie, and she does this, you know, in Attack of the Clones and stuff too, but in this movie, she's like in the thick of the battle, and she's kind of like in the front. Like she's... She's leading the way. Getting stuff done. And oh, I yeah. really like that. Whereas I feel like later on in the movies, which we'll discuss more next time, I just feel like she gets overshadowed by the guys and it's whatever. We'll talk about that later. But I just really mm. like her in this movie because I feel like she's very powerful, um, yet very feminine. And Agreed. She's just she's very like strong. She's just, like, she's just about business and I love it. And she's in it to win it. And if she dies, she dies. And it's for her people. And I love that. Uh, that's right. That's right. I attribute her 100%. Like I've said before, growing up, like I was never attracted to like the damsel in distress mm-hmm. sort of Disney princess kind of thing. It just wasn't my kind of thing. And it, and I totally attribute that to Padme yeah. because she was a woman who would pick up a blaster before anybody else and like go in the thick of it, put herself in harm's way for her people. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, women are also badasses. Like what? Like I remember as a kid. Being like, why doesn't the princess just leave the tower? Like, there's stairs right there. Her hair reaches to the ground. What are we doing here? Yeah. Like, why are you waiting for somebody else to save you if you're totally capable yourself? And Padme is totally to blame for that. Because, like, it's aggressive negotiations, you know? Yeah. I love it. She's I love amazing. It too. So, the next few things that happen in the movie are all kind of happening at the same time. Uh, we have the duel between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Maul. And then Anakin, oh, oh, oh. you know, ends up in a starfighter and, like, randomly ends up at the droid control ship. Um, so, these things all happen at once. But, basically, duel of the fates. Let's let's do this. I are we doing this? Dying. Are we going in? I'm going to say right now, this is the best... <laughs> Ugh, this one and the the fight scene in episode three are are like the best fight scenes in all of Star Wars. Period. Absolutely agree. Period, including the Last 100%. Jedi. Period. 
period. 100%. There's no contest. Love it. No contest. And the thing I love about this fight scene is that there's so much like push and pull of intensity during it because of those force fields. And Mm -hmm. they have those like little force field gate things and they get separated and they have time to heal and time to pause and time to like get anxious. And then they cut to like whatever Anakin's doing. But the way that they edited this is just like gold. It just makes you so anxious. It makes me just sit on the edge of my seat every single time. It makes me so pumped. Like it makes me so pumped. Um, And I think that's something that happens throughout this movie is that there's no, um, it's not, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. It's got its ups and downs, which I love because movies need that. You have your high points, you have the pod race, and then you have slower points where you talk about politics and then you go back up and Qui-Gon, you know, encounters Maul for the first time and you're like, whoa, what was that? And then it goes down and they like chill out for a little bit and then it goes back up. And just, just like the whole movie, this fight does that and they have their ups and downs and that push and pull of intensity and you have that time to breathe and then you have that time where you're freaking out and you're just like, oh my gosh, are they going to die? Um, mm-hmm. I think the choreography is the Phenomenal. best. Nick Gillard is like a freaking genius. And uh, oh, totally I just agreed. love this fight scene so much. I, it makes me so happy. Like, Let's dive. I want a shirt that says, Duel of the Fates is the best fight scene ever. Like, <laughs> it is. It is. All what right, do you me... love about it? Every, I mean everything, off. but like let's. Get we're going specific. in. <laughs> we're 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 diving into this one. Yeah. big. Are you ready? Yeah. So, ready. Duel of Fates. First off, the double bladed lightsaber. What? what? It, yeah. What? Never Crazy. seen that before. Didn't even know that was an option. And it's red. Who? Uh, you know what? Take a step back. You see this guy who you saw before. He had a hood on. He takes his hood off. There's horns. Mm-hmm. Already terrifying. And then you're like, okay, snap, he's got a lightsaber, he turns it on, you're like, oh, it's kind of sideways. What a- There's another blade, all right? Mm-hmm. What? And then, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, straight up samurai, are like, let's yeah. dance. You know, we'll take it from here. Yeah. Oh, snap, you are. Take the robes off. It's game time. It's game time. And it's there's so many great little moments in this duel. My favorite part of the whole duel is when Qui-Gon backhands Darth Maul with his fist. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Yes. I I always have to like rewind it and watch it. Watch, <laughs> watch it again. Oh, it's so good. Because he just kicked Obi-Wan off the platform and Qui-Gon's like, boom! It's Amazing. so satisfying. It is. It really is. And then Darth Maul's like flips and then uses the force on the droid to open the door. Badass. Yeah. And like all this stuff is going on. We have three lightsabers in a duel. Four blades. Amazing choreography. Amazing. Okay. And then... We get to the reactor room, which the setting alone oh is God. crazy. Such you a got, like, set. Energy and that was like a real set. That was not green screen. Yeah. You got like these energy beams going to multiple platforms. And then the idea that like at no point does it stop until yeah. they get to the reactor with yeah. the doors. Okay. So you've got like uh, one falls off and then the other one keeps going. And then like Obi-Wan gets kicked off. Qui-Gon backhands Darth Maul and then jumps down and keeps attacking him yeah. while Obi-Wan's still hanging. And like this whole thing is going on. Obviously, I've dissected this for my entire life, being that Qui-Gon's my favorite character. As you should. As I should. And so, you know, one of the greatest scenes in Star Wars history is that moment of calm in, yeah. the, in the last minutes of the duel. Because you have Obi-Wan, like, ten doors behind, and he's, like, getting pumped, getting pumped, getting pumped. Yep. Like, oh, God, I need to get back into this. And Qui-Gon's and just then you have Qui-Gon takes this moment. You know, Darth Maul is like a tiger. You know, he's walking along his cage yeah. and, like, just waiting for the door to open, waiting for the door to open. 
And Qui-Gon, who's been fighting for a while now. Mind you, Qui-Gon is 60 years old. At he's this old. Point. Okay? He's <laughs> an he's older man. Butt. And he's been fighting continuously with a 19-year-old in his peak physical condition, yeah. in his prime. Okay, fighting him angrily. Like, this is something that he's never encountered before. It's been a while. This guy has been holding off a Jedi Master and an almost Jedi Knight for a bit. Yeah. Okay? So then Qui-Gon, we get this moment, the gate turns on. And then he takes this total Jedi moment and gets down on his knees and centers himself. Yep. And he's not just taking a breath. Okay, what he's doing is he's he's taking a moment and he's sitting into the force. And he's being like, whatever's about to happen... I'm for it. Yeah. You know, he's, he's making peace with everything. Right. Because he knows once this door opens, it's the end of the it line. It could be game over, yeah. And, you know, there's no exit. There's no other platforms. There's no energy. There is a yeah. room that, with no corners and very small walkways. Like, you know, so you're like, you have this moment where he just goes into the forest and he goes, all right. And the second it's about to turn off, you see his eyes open and it's yeah. go time. Okay. And what a great way for Obi-Wan to observe that. I know, right? I you know, love he's that watching. he got to see that. Yeah, a true Jedi master. Yeah. Like, not even of his own abilities, not like waiting and like, you know, taunting Darth Maul. He's like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm going to even close my eyes. I'm so into the force right now, yeah. right? So then we get to this duel, all right? Oh, and and, and this, this moment when Qui-Gon dies, like I said at the beginning of the show, this was the first character in any movie in my entire life, the first time I'd cared about a character so much, and then had him killed on screen. Mm -hmm. So I remember when he got stabbed, and I was like, <gasps> like as a kid, it it, it changed me, you know, because I was not expecting it at all. At like eight, you don't think, oh, he's gonna die right now, right. you know. And so that happened, and and I remember years going on. I'm like, all right, why why did this happen? Okay, explain this to me. And and here's here's the thing. Okay, and we're gonna go old EU here. We're diving. So Qui Gon's lightsaber form is called a Taru. Okay, Ataru uses wide spaces, uses acrobatics. You'll notice Qui-Gon does a lot of spinning moves. So what he'll do is he'll like hit twice and then he'll spin around and come to the other side and hit again. Okay, so he's already at a disadvantage giving his particular lightsaber form in mm -hmm. a tiny hallway mm -hmm. in very little space. He's 60 years old. Darth Maul is 19. Okay, so there's already an age difference. There's a stamina difference. He's been fighting for a very long time. His lightsaber form is at a disadvantage in this particular setting. And Darth Maul cheap shot at him by hitting him in the face with the hill. Yeah. That's why he lost. Yeah. Okay? But, but it's okay because he came back. He gave it more. his all. He did. He did. And he and he was at peace with all. it. His last words are train the boy. Promise yeah. me you will train the boy. So even in death, he's only thinking about Anakin. Well, we're not done yet. So we're not done. When this happens, Obi-Wan <laughs> Obi is still behind the force field and to has to stand there and watch it and can't do anything about it. And he's and just he knows. like getting. Real you can mad. tell <laughs> you can tell right before Qui-Gon gets hit in the face, Obi-Wan sees it coming. Yeah. Like you'll see in his eyes, he's like, oh no. Yeah. And then he gets hit and he gets killed. And yeah. the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul is one of the greatest moments in it's all of so Star Wars. Quick too. They're, like the way they oh, God, move so their bodies fast. is just like so fast and they're yeah. they're just like on. Dude, the lightsabers make a different sound. They're hitting yeah. so quickly. It's like pew, 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 pew. Yeah. You're like, what? Obi-Wan gets kicked in the face, backflips, goes right back in. Yep. And, like, Darth Maul's trying to run away. He's still cutting at his legs. Like, it is a no-holds-barred, like, Obi-Wan's probably stepping in the dark side a little bit. Like, dude, right? Crazy stuff. It's so good. So good. And then the fact that he he kills Darth Maul with Qui-Gon's lightsaber is just cherry on the top. So beautiful. So really beautiful. Is.
It really, really is. It's just such a good, great, it's amazing, great scene. Um, amazing. But Darth Maul gets cut in half, and yeah, he does. Falls to his what we assumed at that time was his death. Correct. Then uh, we found out it wasn't his death, which is okay. I'm okay with it. I like the way he died, so I was like, mm, it's okay. I know how this ends. Yeah. Me feel better. Yeah. Um, so so all that happens, and then at the same time, Anakin destroys the droid control ship, and all the droids that the Gungans are fighting uh, are just deactivated, basically. So they win. They all broke it. Yep. They're all broken. And yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> and I love a little tidbit, the the battle droid. Can you just chill? I'm sorry, I'm so excited. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't say what it is. <laughs> All right. The droid that Jar Jar is standing in front of and like pushes over, he has 1138 on his back. He so, does. Um, sweet little Easter I didn't know there. that until the behind the scenes. That, I didn't that know that either. I didn't know that either. That's great. Um, And like Padme is taking care of business, getting stuff done, and uh, they basically win. They do. That's they have sweet. blasters hidden in the chair, which yeah. is pretty great. It was so sweet. And by the way, I just love Panaka. I know. I love him. He's great. So much. Um, so then it shows um, Qui-Gon's funeral and Anakin's like, well, what's going to happen to me now? And Obi-Wan's like, I will train you. Um, you're going to be a Jedi, blah, blah, blah. And oh, Obi-Wan yeah. is named a Jedi Knight. So mm-hmm. Obi-Wan is a Jedi Knight. Anakin is now going to be his Padawan. And uh, then we go to, like, the most joyful, cheerful, beautiful, festive (laughs) scene in all of Star Wars. And they're having this big celebration on Naboo with the Gungans and all the people of Naboo. And Padme is wearing this amazing dress, Mm -hmm. which we later find out in a book that Leia wears. because She does. That's amazing. Um, And Anakin is there. He's got his, like, little Padawan braid. His hair is looking a little more Padawan-y. And he's in his Jedi garbs, and uh, they have a big celebration. It's just like the most beautiful thing in the whole world. It is the orb of peace. Yep, the orb of peace, and it's just so So happy. I just love it. Makes me so happy. Yeah, me too. That song makes me think of uh, Star Wars Weekends, too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. They played it over the speakers as you were walking around. Yeah. That one and the victory celebration from episode six makes me think of yeah. Star Wars Weekends. A lot of Star Wars songs make me think of Star Wars Weekends. <laughs> because when I worked in a store, um, there was like a 26-minute loop of songs. And uh-huh. uh, I literally started to remember the loop in the order of the songs in the store because I'd work there. Nice. And I'd have them on loop. And then I would camp out for autographs. And in the morning at like 7 a.m., they'd turn on the music and turn on the sprinklers and you'd be like soaked in water. And you're just like, okay, it's all right. There's Star Wars music. <laughs> um, that, that actually awesome. happened. What did, you th- what did you think of the Gungan droid battle? I like the, it. The, the battle scene itself. Me too. I, I think it's interesting to have like the humor versus serious cut back and forth between what was going on with the Gungans and what was going on with Darth Maul at the time. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I liked it. And I liked, uh, I mean, that was a huge battle. So visually it was amazing. Massive. But I think this, the stuff that they had, like the little, um, I don't even know what you call them, the orbs that they were throwing. The, boomas? the what? The boomas. Boomas. He said, no, have a Booma. A Booma, yeah. yes. Yep. Um, I just think those are really cool. And I and I think it's neat to see the more low-tech side of 
Agreed. They're like water balloons. Yeah. But that's what they They're had awesome. and that's what they were going to give. And, and I mean, they agreed. Won, so I like matter. that Jar Jar like didn't do anything of his own like will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, he's like, he's just like throwing stuff and it will go into the droid just by sheer luck. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, a few it. things I want to quickly talk about before we wrap this up, because mm-hmm. honestly, Brian and I were just planning on having this be a three hour show and we're like under the two hour mark. So I'm feeling real good right now. <laughs> we actually said if we make it to three hours and we're only halfway through our discussion, let's just make it into two parts and we'll just have like a six hour discussion. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we could have two parts. We, we could have. To be yeah. fair. But we, this is we, good. We, yeah, we, we cut ourselves off for the audience, so you're welcome. And if there's anything more that like people want to discuss with us, we can always do it in the Dorky Diva group on Facebook. Whoop, whoop, plug time. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about the soundtrack. Because, Let's do it. It's um, amazing. Obviously, all Star Wars soundtracks are amazing, but uh, the soundtracks in the prequels are especially amazing, I think, because they just Agreed. remind me of my childhood. <laughs> like. And we'll talk about this more uh, when we get to the episode three discussion. But uh, that soundtrack is like one of the most emotional things I've ever heard in my life. Same. But episode one also has those like ups and downs of emotion. um, And the Duel of the Fates song is like one of the most iconic Star Wars songs ever. And the ending song, the Augie's Great Munsipal Band, is really iconic as well. Um, Oh, yeah. And even the the song during the pod race scene, like, man, John Williams it's, is just amazing. It's so great, and the it's, prequel trilogy soundtracks are way more like operatic, mm-hmm. and it's it's gold, absolute it. gold. And it's fun, like it's just fun. It is. Well, think about the music that's playing as they're swimming to Auto Gunga. Yeah, it's all like weird and cool Creepy and like and like yeah yeah spooky like it almost. But it's so good. Soundtrack is great. Um, soundtrack is great. I want to talk about actors. Oh, sweet. So I think they picked a great cast for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. Unlike everyone that's going to be listening to this show, <laughs> I personally think I would have picked someone different from Natalie Portman. Um, really? But Or here's the thing. Maybe I wouldn't have picked someone different, but I think she could have been pushed a little more for a better performance. And in the behind the scenes documentary, there was a scene with George. I believe he was talking to Rick McCallum. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking about Natalie and how great she was and how she only had to do like two takes for this scene. And she was just so wonderful. And like Ian was wonderful. And then he's like, oh, and I learned a lot from working with Jake too. Cause obviously it's a child and he hadn't really done that before. Um, right. And I I liked all that stuff that he said, but I just disagree. I felt like he could have pushed Natalie a little more because in some scenes, uh, I understand why she was very monotone when she was like the queen, but there were a couple scenes with Anakin where I felt like she should have been a little more sincere to him because she obviously has a heart. She obviously cares about her people. And even though he's not like her people, he's a child and she should feel for what he's gone through. And I don't know. I think I just... She was just a little bland at times, and I understand mm-hmm. why she had to be when she was, like, the queen, but yeah. in other scenes, I think she um, she just needed, like, a little extra oomph. I can understand the need for that. There, there were just some I... <laughs> scenes. It's specifically just the scenes with Anakin. Like, I just wanted her to be a little more heartfelt and, like, moved by him. Sure. 
I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. I look at it as think about the the difference in the problems. You know what I mean? Anakin just left his mom and it's really sad and he's really cold and he's alone for the first time. But her people are literally dying yeah. as she's standing there. You know, so she's kind of I don't want to say she has her own problems because that sounds horrible. Uh, but she kind of does. Yeah. You know. I get it. But I but I also can justify literally anything in the prequels. Yeah. So, wait till we get to episode two and we talk about the lake house. <laughs> oh man, I like episode two. I love episode two. Can't wait to talk about it next. I, I I really do. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and then the characters. I think we've kind of gone over this as a whole, but <laughs> yeah, I just really do like the characters a lot in this movie. I, I'm into a couple of them. You could say just a little bit. Just a tiny little bit. bit. Jar Jar forever. (laughs) Jar Jar is fantastic. And I will die on this hill. And Qui-Gon's the greatest Jedi of all time. Amen. I was was pretty (laughs) tame. Let's be honest. I was pretty tame as far as Qui-Gon goes. Yeah, you were. I'm actually kind of shocked. Seriously, is there anything else you want to say about him that can be summed up in the next five minutes? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to say what I've said before, he's the greatest Jedi of all time. And I will say the reason that I believe this is because he was aware of everything that was going on. It was very personal. Like somebody did a thread on Twitter recently and they were talking about how Qui-Gon, whenever he talked to Anakin, he would get down on his level Yeah, and he would talk to him as a person. And that speaks volumes of who Qui-Gon is as a character. Like in all of the old EU, they talked about how he had respect for every living life form. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was like a defining quality of his. You know, he, he, when Obi-Wan talks about like, if you would just follow the rules, you would be on the council. And Qui-Gon's like, mm, I ain't got time for that. Like yeah. I'm, he was the, he, I, I believe Qui-Gon Jinn was the perfect example of what a Jedi should be. Aware, loving, caring of every life form that he comes in contact with, but also in tune with the living force and full on belief and sticking to his guns of what he knew was right, even in opposition of the people that were above rank, in the order that he was in. He he disagreed with them, but he's like, I understand I disagree with you, but I'm talking about the force here. Yeah. You know? And uh, growing up, he was a character that I really resonated with and something that I remember. Like, my all-time favorite Star Wars quote, of all time ever, is your focus determines your reality. I love that quote. Like, I have that I, on my professional portfolio. <laughs> I'm getting it tattooed on me one day. Like, I'm not even joking. Yeah. No, it's I, I usually have it on the homepage of my professional portfolio for work. <laughs> Good. It's so important. And yeah. Like, there's so, that's why, like, I, I will forever be indebted to George Lucas because he wrote these movies. Yeah. Like, George Lucas was so in tune with the force, if you will. And, like, Qui Gon is one of those characters that, like, there's so many little things he does that I learned from as a kid. Like, they're in the bongo. It's leaking. There's monsters out there. There's no power. And he's like, we're not in trouble yet. The Force will guide us. Yeah. That that example of faith and be like, no, really, if you fully believe in something, you can achieve things that you never even knew were possible. Yeah. Your focus determines your reality. Reality isn't real. If you can dream it, you can believe it. And that's an example. Like, he became one with the Force. We have Force Ghosts because of Qui-Gon was the first one in however many generations of Jedi Knights to retain his identity. Like, it's incredible. I love and it. I could go on all day, but I'll, I'll taper it off there. He's my favorite. Impacted me as a kid and as a man now. I still... And he's inspiring. Like, he's... he's, he's really, there's a lot of characters in Star Wars that are inspiring, but he's, like, at the top. 
Yes, he so is. And he he comes across, I I understand how some people see he comes across as like he doesn't really care and stuff like that. Like there, there's interactions, you know, where when he talks to Padme at Watto's shop, you know, the queen trusts my judgment. You should too. Like he's so ahead of everyone else. He's thinking of the big picture that he's not really thinking about like, oh, well, I understand how you would feel like I don't care right now, but I really don't have time to explain. And that's something I love about him is he knows everything that's going on and he doesn't explain it. And, you know, I think as a leader who's who's taking on that mental of getting stuff done, you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. And uh, God, he's just amazing. I want to challenge all of our listeners right now that don't like the prequels to um, leave us a comment on our Facebook group. And tell Boy. us if we've convinced you otherwise right now. Yeah. Because or at the very least, learn to look at them differently. Yeah. Because uh, obviously this is just our first episode, but I know a lot of people don't really like Phantom Menace. And I hope that after you listen to this and hopefully watch the movie again, that you can see it in a different light because it really is a great movie at the end it of the is. day. And here's the thing. Like it's a great movie period without being a Star Wars movie. Like, it's Agreed. hard to look at it in the world of all the other Star Wars movies because Star Wars movies are amazing. And yes, I personally think that some of the other Star Wars movies are better than The Phantom Menace. But when I think about all the movies out there that have ever been made, The Phantom Menace is still a good movie. Like, Agreed. It, and, and George completed his mission. Like, Jar Jar was a fully CGI character. He looks amazing. He's very believable. He Everything in that movie was very believable. It, it, you know, like, he did what he was trying to do i absolutely agree and And people also people also need to review and review and like like something because you like it or dislike something because you dislike it agreed yes you know that's a really important thing they need to come away with this movie specifically like we've talked about it before it's almost like the the if you tell anyone like oh i really like star wars nine out of ten times the next thing the person will say is yeah but not episode one then prequels right it's like that's not going to make you cool. And, and you know what's funny is that, like, I wear a lot of Star Wars shirts and jewelry and handbags and stuff. And whenever I'm out and about my daily life, if some random stranger decides to strike up a conversation with me about Star Wars, it makes me so happy. But literally the moment they decide to say something about the prequels or even now, like, they say something bad about the new Star Wars movies, I'm just like, all right, bye. Like, sorry, but your conversation is invalid now because... Exactly. Don't start a conversation no by hating that. on something, Yeah, you know? And it's like fine what if you, you like. don't like it. And that, that's exactly why I like what you just said because you, it's okay to not like something. It's totally okay. Obviously, Absolutely. everybody knows I didn't like The Last Jedi, but I don't dislike The Last Jedi because other people dislike The Last Jedi too. It's just I genuinely did not enjoy that movie. And if you genuinely did not enjoy The Phantom Menace, that's okay. But don't stand here and talk about why Jar Jar is such a horrible character and ruined your childhood when you're just regurgitating what everybody else is saying and you really don't feel that way. Exactly. And that's another thing we wanted to bring up with this series is it is not possible to ruin your childhood. No. You'll always have them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like with with episode one, we obviously love it. You don't have to like it. Yeah. And that, that's an important thing to people to remember. We're not – we love it and we're talking about something that we love. And if you come to enjoy it more because of this, awesome. Mission accomplished. But you don't have to. But yeah. just make sure that you dislike it because you dislike it. You know, not because other people are disliking it because it's a cool thing. Like, yeah. dude, do you. If it makes you happy, awesome. If it doesn't, you don't have to like it. Well, but don't dislike it because everyone's disliking it. Exactly. And it's always 
worth it to give something a second chance. Like, of course, you know, I only saw the last Jedi once in theaters, but then when it came out on DVD, I bought the digital version. I watched it again. I was like, you know what? I appreciate more things in it now, but I still don't like the movie. But if you, you know, I gave it a second chance though. And if you haven't seen the Phantom Menace in a long, long time, and you've just been hearing all these horrible things that people say about it, just give it another chance. That's all we're asking. Like, if you have the time to sit down and watch a movie and you have The Phantom Menace, like just watch it and see if you like it. And if you don't, that's fine. Turn it off. But you might have Agreed. a different opinion because things change as you get older. And if you kind of look at it with fresh eyes and after hearing this podcast, hopefully, you can see it for the good things. Agreed. And, and also, in the Dorky Diva group on Facebook, plug, 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 yep. uh, tell us your favorite thing about episode one so we oh, can just geek out together. Asking. Yeah. <laughs> when, when we post the show, we're going to be asking everybody to talk about their favorite thing in the movie because Sweet. we need Mine's that. Sweet. Mine's Qui-Gon. <laughs> Shocker. I like what I like, Savannah. Shocker. Um, is there anything else you have to say about this movie? Um, It's great. It's great. I we really it. like it. And lo- long live the prequels. Long live the prequels. Long Prequel Defense Jedi. Force coming at you. Oh, I wanted to announce this too. So if you guys are like Ooh. following us on social media or in our group, obviously you've seen the artwork that Melissa Thomas did for us. There's like this really cute artwork of us with Amazing. Jar Jar. And we he's wearing a shirt that says Prequel Defense Force. And we're wearing shirts that say The Dorky Diva Show. And then we have this other piece of artwork where um, – Brian is like dressed up like Qui-Gon. I'm dressed up like another Jedi. And Mm. then we have other artwork that just says prequel defense force. Anyways, the whole point of me going on this long rant is to (laughs) tell you that we are working on swag with this artwork. So um, we're working on stickers and potentially shirts. Uh, I was telling Brian before we started recording that I want to make sure the shirts are of very good quality. So that might take a little bit longer than the stickers because I've already found a place where I get my stickers and I love the quality of those. So we'll be getting those ordered soon and like sent out to our followers and stuff. Um, But the shirts, I'm going to work very hard on that to find a place that can make good quality shirts for not too crazy of a price um, because I want all of us to have prequel defense for shirts. Yeah, and then when we do, uh, it'd be amazing. And then imagine we do a meetup at Celebration next year and then everyone's wearing it. Imagine. It'd be incredible. It's or even if great. we do like a collage of everyone wearing their shirts, we can just do like a selfie collage. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So look great. out look out for that soon. Um, we'll post more updates in the group and on. I'll post it on my, per, my personal Twitter um, as we get closer to releasing that stuff. But that's pretty much it. Um, Brian, where can people find you online? They can find me online at Jedi Brian everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. And you can find me. Oh, wait. Where can people find the interesting podcast? Oh, yeah. God, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so bad at promoting. Plug yourself, Brian. Plug myself. Tell everyone where your <laughs> internet creations live. I don't want to. <laughs> people are not going to like it. <laughs> so I have a show that I'm very, very proud of that you guys will definitely enjoy. It is called The Interesting Podcast. It's how me and Savannah became friends. Yep. If you want to hear that in real time. Listen to her episode. Not joking. That's how I got this job. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I've, had, uh, I've had a ton of um, Star Wars actors, creature performers, people that are uh, relevant to your interests. Lots of really great stuff coming out soon. You're really going to like it. Trust me. Uh, we mentioned with episode one, 
uh, Hal Hickel is an ILM animation director who worked on uh, K2. He worked on Boss Naz. He worked on Watto. His story is incredibly inspiring. So Listen to his inspiring. episode. Like, it's amazing. I personally messaged Hal after listening to that podcast, and I just said, thank you for sharing your story because I really needed that right now. Because I was like, yes. I needed that inspiration right now. Absolutely. So everyone should listen to Hal Hickel. Um, obviously, the the hits I, I recommend, Derek Arnold, Tom Wilton, Details, lots of more stuff coming out. Um, just The newest episode was with Charlotte Louise, who was fantastic. She was uh, she played She played Margot in Solo. She was also a Twi'lek, uh, Twi'lek, as she says. Um, just check it out. The interesting podcast. Um it's on iTunes. You'll see a cabbage with lightsabers and a headphone. If you search, if you search Brian, <laughs> or Balance. it's a green brain, as or I it's thought. a green brain. If you ask Savannah or Daniel Barry, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just search Brian Balance on iTunes. You'll find it. Um, yeah, that's is that a plug? Is that a yeah, good that's great. Plug? That's great. Cool. A plus for the Thank promotion. You. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/thedorkydiva. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Savannah underscore Kiefer. Um, if you want to shoot us an email, you can contact us at dorkydivashow at gmail.com. And if you want to support us on Patreon, our Patreon is just patreon.com slash thedorkydiva. And we want to say thank you to all of our current patrons. And those people are Chris, Brian, Sherry, Aaron, Kristen, Ben, Jenmary, Tom, Daz, Daryl, and Anthony. Thank you Ooh. all so much for supporting our show. We will be sending you a little swaggy bag soon of prequel yeah. defense for stuff because we are really thankful for you guys. And honestly, the stuff we get through Patreon is what funds all of our swag. So we are just really thankful to all of you guys. And yeah, I think that's it. Go to our, um, if you go to the Dorky Diva Facebook page, you can find the Dorky Diva group. Um, and we've just been discussing like all sorts of stuff in there. Um, everything's like geek related. Most of it's Star Wars related. And we will be discussing the Phantom Menace with you guys in that group once this episode is out. So please join us over there. And I think with that, I will say, may the force be with you. Yeah. May the force be with you.